0: Is the hydrant for them or is it for us? That's the question I want to ask the American Fire Service. Because, that you know, everybody just wants to regurgitate what somebody told them in a recruit school. Is the hydrant for them, the trap victim, or is it for us to keep us from being embarrassed because we're inadequate at sizing up our
1: capabilities with a booster tank? Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap. A podcast dedicated to the never ending fight against complacency. Firehouse Vigilance, it is weekly scrap number 100. Who would have thought the scrap would get to 100, but here we are, and who better to be the guest than one of my mentors, uh, one of the most influential voices of the Modern Fire Service. He runs County Fire Tactics. He believes in gallons per second. He believes in water on the fire. He believes that it is worth the risk, and I believe tonight he's going to be talking about people before water. So my friend, Kurt Isaacson, welcome back to the scrap.
0: Awesome, brother. Thanks, Corley. I really appreciate it. I've been real excited about getting the opportunity to get back on here with you, especially, uh, you know, number 100. And um, it, it, it got me to delay redoing that doc video on people before water. And, you know, in the years past, I usually do a back to school when my kids go back to school to, you know, get us back to school mentally with the fire service and not wait until January 1st. So thanks a lot for having me on.
1: Very, very excited. we got a lot planned this evening. We're going to try it. Uh, everybody's already logging in. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be crazy. Um, good times. They're already saying, let's go to church. Ding, ding, ding. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's go. There is so much hype already. I'm not even going to try and read them all. Someone said, video isn't working. No video. Okay, hang on, guys. Not perfect. The overday doesn't look great, but we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with this, so just bear with the, the video. So there we go. All right. Thanks for letting me know. Video is now working. We're running. All right, Chief, right out the gate, I wanted to hit you with this one, which is last year I came to Commanding from the Sidelines, and you talked about, first time I heard you talk about it, but was expanding your emotional intelligence, and that was your quest for 2021, so I want to get an update on how it's going and where you're at with it.
0: Um, it's good. You know what I mean? For me, it's a challenge. Um, I would like to say, you know, since you asked that question, one of the huge announcements is I'm throwing that shit out the door tonight, so um, <laughs> I'm I'm like this is like amnesty day all in one so um tonight I'm getting a free pass to to let go of the emotional intelligence I mean it's been a long year so um when we're done with this tonight I'll be back on my quest tomorrow morning but you know I think anybody that knows that follows CF tactics I haven't done any stupid posts since January 1st or you know got on the the dock much the one night I got a little fired up when I wasn't supposed to about people before Waterman. you got to understand it you know when I'm talking I'm not talking to a firehouse, you know, in Boston or New York or downtown Atlanta, I'm talking to the 75% of the fire service that, you know, operates with one rig or, or less than five people running out of a firehouse. But the emotional intelligence, um, you know, I'd love to say it's something I wanted to do on my own, but I had quite a few real close personal friends, you know, earlier this year, back in January, come to me and ask me to do it and I had to do it based on them. Obviously, you know, Jessica, you know, being my top, you know, director. Sure. Uh, But it's tough when you when you love the job like we do. And then my job is to get people fired up. My job is to get people to question what they're doing, because if you keep doing the same old shit the same way, you're going to get the same results. And, you know, that's what county fire tactics is all about, is it's about looking at what you need to do based on your response area, your staffing. And I say that as a student of you know, Clark's Blue Book and Freed's Red Book and obviously all the editions of Chief John Norman and all the other great tactics books out there. I mean, you know, I wrote the the article, The Urban Ledger, The New Yorker, and I'm a big fan of urban firefighters and urban firefighting. But I, over my 30 plus years of going to fires in different response districts, different, you know, attack packages have learned that we got to adjust, you know, based on our area. We just can't do the
1: same, you know, same thing everybody else is doing. Right on. Let's go. Okay, so I'm going to try and catch you up on just the sheer amount of hype here. I'm just going to randomly select things with exclamation points on them. Mainly it's let's go, yes, lots of exclamation points. Hello, let's go from Omaha. Heck yeah, it's a good night, this podcast. I just got a job town tattoo. Uh, Howard Reinwald says he's here. Oh, everything to him. Uh, listening in the truck, coming home from Kansas City from Steve Young, guys. There's so many, so much. So I, uh, yeah, tons of love for this. Smoothbore Cartel chiming in and said, "Yes, I'm so stoked for this." Everybody is fired up. So anyway, the new look here tonight is not a new look for the scrap. It's me. We're going to be doing a. Chief Ike has a lot of stuff planned for this evening. And it, and it's if you've ever done anything with Chief Ike, you know it's kind of like having a tiger by the tail. So I'm along for the ride with you guys as we do this. So uh, enjoy, and Chief, where are we starting? Well, first I want to start and
0: um, say that, you know, the, the people that can hang on and stay tonight, we're going to be giving out different conference passes. Uh, Scott Slocum, um, uh, my buddy that is part of the CFT team, he's t- he took over countyfiretactics.com. He'll post in the comments. There'll be a Google sheet. And tomorrow we'll get it up on countyfiretactics.com. Uh, make sure you sign up for the box alarm. But we're going to give out a free h rock, a free ODP, the 40-hour officer development program. It's got five different speakers, uh, four of them that have textbooks, and then a CFT uh, 100. Todd texted me. We're going to give away a uh, pass to the November 3rd conference in Talicia in um, uh, Tallahassee, just there north of Montgomery on November 3rd. So giving a lot of stuff away. And then I'm also uh, Jessica Created. Jessica created a coupon code for $99 off HROC coming this year, if you're watching tonight, or ODP, $99 off. And we're going to post that code a little later uh, for anybody that wants to register for those two, just to make the value for somebody giving up their night. But,
1: Corey, Corey, is it okay if we talk about the senior assistant chief in Denver? Absolutely. Let me pull it up. Now, guys, this is the part you guys have to bear with me as I run this. And get it working. So I'm sharing the screen, pulling up the photos, making sure I got it. That's awesome. All right, Chief. Now I'll just talk while you're popping
0: it up. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'd be remiss without saying, man, um, Chief Dave McGrail today got pinned badge number one by his dad in Denver, a picture there with his father and his son. And, um, you know, what a huge mentor to me, a mentor to the fire service, the high-rise chief, wrote the textbook on it. Uh, H-Rock would not be what it is today without Chief McGrail. He's been coming out since year one, day one. If you've been there, you've heard me say that he's the first guy that I called after Ray and I decided we were going to do it. Chief McGrail always brings out one hell of a team out of Denver. So, man, a shout-out to Chief McGrail for getting badge number one, senior chief, assistant chief in the uh, Denver Fire Department, man. And if you're watching this and you don't have Chief McGrail's book, you need to get it, um, take his classes, Watch his keynote from years ago at um, FDIC. Obviously, he'll be at H-Rock, as he is every year with his 13 guys. And in this year, January, in ODP, he's doing a full day covering his high-rise book cover to cover. So uh, congratulations, Chief McGrail, man, to see your father pinning that badge. Just made my day. That was the highlight of my day. It really was.
1: No, it's awesome well, well deserved. Uh, I, I've I've reached out. I know he was at FDIC, and I'm, I mean FDIC was going on last week, and I was trying to schedule him because I've been trying to get him on the scrap for quite some time. He's agreed to come on. I just have to get him pinned down. So he's a busy guy, and he's a do it,
0: man. And you know, he he's definitely you know got to be careful when you're throwing out saying everybody's the best. But you know, I can one hundred percent positively say he's in my top five. Um most professional polished speakers in a fire service. There's different types of speakers. You know, I wouldn't classify myself as polished. I'm a little off the chart and a little unchained. But Chief McGrail is, you know, one of them them speakers. that reminds me of people like John Maxwell. You know, he could speak outside the fire service, to Fortune 500 companies. So um, pretty cool.
1: No, no, absolutely. And, and Adam Brett Ashworth actually said, Chief McGrail, he said he's a top-shelf chief. So you know he's taking his class when he makes the reference and uh it's a great way to describe him no no cool you know and there's so much
0: negative stuff going on in the fire service and you know i actually just want to make sure everybody sees that i'm wearing my um 369 uh spartanburg shirt tonight I uh, just got you know i was at fdic last week but um from fdic i flew straight to spartanburg south carolina some of you might know them from 2013 2014 they supported ul did some of the uh, live burns out there and Man, I've been, you know, that's the stage. The brothers out there, Chief Brad and the, and the union president, Jared, and the fire chief, man. Labor, the the, the labor union um, president working with the training chief and the fire chief. Unbelievable teamwork. It reminds me of what I saw on the side of the Indianapolis fire trucks back in the 90s uh, when I started going to FDIC, you know, something like partners together, you know, for a better fire department. And just just I mean, unbelievable, man. I mean, I stayed out every night later than I thought I would because it was just so motivating to see a union president working with the training chief. The fire chief came out both nights to the socials to, to say hello nice. in a very professional way. And then they went out of their way to set up the stage. And so I'm, I'm looking to go back there. And, I, you know, it's the first time I came back and I told Jessica, I said, I don't know what we got to do, but I'm going back there and uh, we, we, we might need to work with them on doing our first CFT conference off of Pensacola off Beach. We might need to be at Spartanburg, South Carolina if they'll uh, agree to do it, man. Just what a cool city, a cool town. So uh, if you ever get a chance to go by a firehouse in Spartanburg, man, they're going to open the door and roll out the carpet. Just a phenomenal set of brothers. So shout out and thanks to them to the phenomenal hospitality. And they truly showed the brotherhood's alive. Just, you know, the, 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 the guys coming out and making stuff out and the gals coming out they got a few of them coming two weeks from now to water on the fire. So uh, what a great fire department. It's always neat when you see
1: that because you hear about so many negative stories. No doubt about it. Now, I want to ask, and, and this is just off, off topic, on topic, is when you go to a place like Spartanburg, does that fire you up? Which fires you up more, like having a great conference at your at your 850 back at your hometown or going to a great uh, venue conference that you travel to? Which would you go? I mean, I enjoy both. Um, Obviously... You know, the conferences on
0: Pensacola Beach mean something to me. If you know, you know that I gave up testing for the FDNY, you know, nearly 30 years ago um, to to stay here. So, you know, having people on Pensacola Beach is awesome. I mean, I get to bring the people I want to bring to Pensacola Beach, pay for their travel, put them in a hotel and have a great time. So it's hard to surpass having something on Pensacola Beach. And I can honestly say I don't always get jumping up and down and giggly about all of them. I mean, we do five a year. We have been we started over 10 years ago, Ray and I did, and with the first one, Urban to Suburban. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's like going to work. You'd be lying. I mean, sometimes it's a job. If you see me, I'm staying out late at night, and I'm coming down that ramp by the kitchen when people eating breakfast, you know, running 100 miles an hour. I will say, Corey, I don't think I've been as excited about a conference as I am water on the fire in a long time. You know, and I just, there's just something about it, man. I, you know, the pride of having UL and Steve Kerber agreeing to support and sponsor building the UL prop. Key Stakes is coming in and Mike Alton, and we got a group of, you know, phenomenal brother firefighters that are contractors that are going to help build this thing. And that just means the world to me. I could tell you one of my top goals for the future is not letting dust collect on the UL studies. Nice. Too many great guys out there. Starting with Steve Kerber and his team, Key Stakes, and those guys, you know, and obviously the members, the board members, man, you know, I was busy at FDIC, but I made sure I went to the big room for you know over half of it to hear them talk about the coordinated fire tax study, which I did, and I sat on the panel, but I I didn't do a lot of giving back or feedback on it. I read what was sent out, um, but I you know I didn't really reply. So, you know, I was kind of like a member on there. So I feel like my job is those guys did the book work. They did the typing, the responses and all that stuff. So I take my job with my platform at CF Tactics County in the conferences is to make sure two years from now, there's not dust collecting on the interior, the exterior, the search, the ventilation, the UL Fire Academy. Um, so that this stuff needs to be available and people need to be studying it a year and two years from now. You know, recruit schools. You were doing some interviews today. We gotta these people come on a fire department. We gotta tell them about the UL Fire Academy. Yes, brass tacks are facts. You know, I was a little part of it. Three years from now, those videos are still going to be relevant. It's free training when it's 115 degree heat index outside. And a real quick shout out on um, sponsorships. I don't always do this, but anybody knows me. My top supporter um, is Elcart Brass, and you know they're not just a company that sponsors CF Tatters. but you know, this, I'm not going to tell the story tonight. I've told it on podcast before. But um, Elkhart's the number one company in the American fire service that I truly would put my name to. I believe in it. Their product works. They don't come up with gimmicks. And just the crew there, the guys there, man. There's you know, um, you know, Chris Martin, Stretch, and Jerry Herps, and Andy, and you know, those guys are. And they got a bunch of other guys that they're, they're just awesome. They're going to be at Water on the Fire. And I tell you, if I let a vendor get on our stage at a conference, that means I back them because I'm right. not into you know the, the latest gadgets. So thanks to Elcart, and they're actually I'm um, going to sponsor the free shuttle to and from Water on the Fire. So when you land at the airport, you can get you don't have to rent a car or pay for a shuttle. So thanks to Elcart for renting that shuttle for us and everything else they do. I bet you right now there's a couple of dozen viewers that Elcart shipped them nozzles, man. Just no questions asked, just to borrow. And I think they pretty much support any fire conference in a country that needs them to drop ship equipment. So, you know, that's a big deal. And they really don't have to do it. Their nozzles just sell themselves. So enough of that, Rand. I just I rarely I don't do a real good job thanking the people that are really helping us get these
1: conferences going around the country. Chief, I love it. I love it absolutely. So the next picture I got pulling up for you. Yeah, I know. Everybody's excited. There's been quite a few mentions of the fact that people better grab their seatbelts because Chief Ike just chugged a monster. So,
0: uh, well, it's better than Mountain Dew, man. 20 years ago when I was working 56 hours a week in the Pensacola Fire Department, and 45 in the county, I was pulling 101 hours a week. I was living on a 12-pack of Mountain Dew a day. Oh, shit, man. You hit it there, Corley.
1: I had to. So, um,
0: for anybody that doesn't know, um, clean cabs don't make grabs. And, you know, as Howard Reinwald says, you know, when seconds count, we count seconds. And, uh, you know, tonight I'm going to try to keep the foul language down and the four-letter words. But at the end of the day, um, you know, real, real quick, is it hardcore to pull up the modern and, and legacy nope. furnishing video? So we'll come back to the Miami-Dade. But I want you to think about this in terms of an educational thought process. And I get it, man. I've, I've argued with some old-timers. And old timers will say, when I got on a job, our air packs were in a box on the side of the truck and we had to put them on. And people will tell me how they, you know, their rescue trucks, the packs in the back. I get it. I worked on rescue 31 for years in a Pensacola fire department. And when we got there, we got off and we had to put our packs on, but the first due engine, the first new truck came off locked and loaded. And, At the end of the day, when you look at that UL video, Modern versus Legacy, we're not fighting Granddaddy's fire. It was 30 minutes to flash over. It's 3 minutes and 40 seconds now. 30 seconds could be the difference between life and death. And I'd like to commend, excuse me, the Miami-Dade Fire Department, man. Um, You know, Chief Dave Downey is just one of the top mentors to me. He's retired now. His wife's a fire chief. And you know what they did? They went and tried to clean cap. It didn't work, and they're going back to, to air packs in a cab and working on another way to decon and clean their air packs. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, the fire service has got to wake up. We're talking ignition to flashover, and I realize it's 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 an experiment, but that's what we're seeing on a fire ground. You get there, you need to come off the road, off the rig, man. The uh, ladder twelve grab, and we're going to get into that. I don't want to jump ahead. We'll get into that with people before water. But I do want to give a shout out to the Miami-Dade Fire Department, their leadership, listening to their people. I don't have the whole backstory. I just know that Dennis Laguerre took the pictures. And at FDIC, Miami-Dade's got air packs in air rig. So one of the top ten largest fire departments in the country. Any viewers out there that got, you know, chiefs um, that, you know, work Monday through Friday 8 to 5 and they're not pulling up, you know, like we did back in October of this last year. I pulled up, man, um, I had a guy that was uh, – Getting checked off to be a battalion chief, phenomenal lieutenant that I have, and we almost got assaulted. I mean, literally assaulted by the mother of two kids that were trapped in a a fire. And and I get why she was assaulting us. Thank God the companies responding in before us, with us, and after us came off the rig, locked and loaded. Man, I couldn't imagine them having to put their gear on. You know, in the rookie school, you know, we we try to get recruits and minimum standards down to 60 seconds 60 seconds i mean i want you to hold your breath for four minutes and then just hold it for 60 more seconds like it don't matter so stop regurgitating stupid stuff you know my dad drank water out of a garden hose i buy my kids bottled water i mean really give me a break i got bottled waters all over the place so um you know just a, a thing that that i do think that people are listening i think we got a lot of great leaders out there we can't give up man it's just putting in the time and the effort and I hate it when somebody says well give me a give me an incident well, you know we can give you a hundred incidents shit brown brush can give you you know um a thousand of Absolutely. them nearly in the first three months of the year, so um you know that that that's a that's a big deal to me the whole Miami day putting their packs
1: back in a rig i'm I'm just happy about that I'm ecstatic, yes, sir, yes sir uh I, I'm along. This is the thing. I've got a tiger by the tail right now. I'm just trying to figure out what you want to talk about next and what I need to pull up. I can throw questions at you if you'd like. And it is fun. And the and the audience all, usually will throw questions. Right now we're just we're just basking in the excitement of number one hundred, Chief Ike on a monster, and the fact of clean cabs don't make grabs. So uh, everything about it is great right now. Stop regurgitating stupid shit. I love it. That's a perfect quote right there. That's uh, that is encapsulating it uh all right pulling up notes waiting for the audience people before water and i'm ready to get you fired up chief but i do want to set the stage you're talking about a task saturated manpower limited emergency scene bread and and butter type fire when a primary search has not been completed yes no is that encapsulated or you got more to add you're talking to me or the person that typed that no, up? No, no, don't you. I'm talking to you. I'm throwing that at you. I say that again? Task-saturated manpower limited emergency scene.
0: Um. Well, that's what I did for years. So for anybody that doesn't know, I grew up a volunteer midway with 1,000-gallon booster tanks. It's fully paid, fully staffed now, four in a rig. But I would go to fires where it's just me. I stretched the line. I went back and charged it. So I grew up going to fires where we did the most we could with a 1,000 gallons a minute. That's my experience then went to a one-station uh, pay department, runs with Fort Walton and Destin, called Mary Esther as a fire inspector, went to Pensacola, ISO-1, you know, local 707, you know, fully staffed department, hydrants on every corner. When I went to Escambia County, I was the only on-duty battalion chief for 664 square miles, 20-plus stations. And the first few years, I had four badasses on an engine with 690 gallons of water. That's what I had. Nothing else. The the there it could be 15 or 20 minutes for so. And I'm talking about in a heavily populated area, houses side by side. You know, alphabet streets. And so, what I feel fortunate about for county fire tactics is being able to do a little bit of all. Oh, no hydrants, plenty of hydrants, little bit of hydrants. Um, you know, task saturated, minimal manpower. That's what I call time delay tactics. If you're taking notes, write that down time delay tactics means you have tactics that need to be performed, but you've got to delay them a certain amount of time because you don't have enough people to do them, so you can't be doing promotional tactics. You can't just do them because they have to be done. You pull up with a four or less people on a rig, you either put all them people in to get water on the fire to fully extinguish it and break every window so you can walk through there and rapidly find a search with, you know, 100% visibility, or you pull up and they say Johnny's in that window And you focus on a quick VES grab while the driver maybe uses a a two-and-a-half for the B-Watch blitz and knocks the shit out of it with a a two-and-a-half using stream reach. Um, But, you know, we're leading into people before water. It's going there. We don't even know it. See, we're we're not even in charge. But I I do want to put this quote up, Corley. I texted it to you earlier. Is the hydrant for them? Or is it for us? That's the question I want to ask the American Fire Service. Because, you know, everybody just wants to regurgitate what somebody told them in a recruit school. I know what the manual says, but I haven't agreed with it for 25 years. So is the hydrant for them the trap victim? Or is it for us to keep us from being embarrassed because we're inadequate at sizing up our capabilities with a booster tank? But we'll run around the fire service jumping up and down doing jumping jacks about how kick ass a two and a half gallon water can when you got a booster tank with 750 gallons that's 300 water cans it would be hoarding conditions inside the average house all right i'm gonna back off because we gotta we gotta ease into this okay 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 uh, people
1: before water no no i love i do that that is the quote uh yeah no doubt about it is it for I us? Mean, I want to know. Yeah. I mean, no, like, I no seriously, it.
0: I know what the fire chief's answer is the hydrant's for them because they think running out of water is the, the worst thing that could happen on a fireground. Worst thing that happened on a fireground is a damn civilian that's counting on the American Fire Service to be trapped and dying because a two room fire and an 1800 square foot house fire with a three person engine company that's not their fault, they're not properly staffed. And we're catching a hydrant with a second new rig. But, you know, we got, we got some other stuff. But I do want to say with that quote that I sent you earlier, Corley, was because hydrants don't pull people out of houses. And a lack of hydrants not cause a residential line of duty death. So we're going to talk real about two different fires later tonight. Right and on. both fires. One, all the hydrants in the world is probably not going to put it out. And the other one, you don't need a hydrant. And they both killed firemen. So um, okay. we got to be
1: realistic. No, I love it. Okay. I don't want to get you. Yeah. I got a question coming at you from the audience here. You can take it wherever you want. Um Let me get back to it. I actually marked it, but now I can't. There's so many. Guys, I love you all. There's so many. Chief Ike, we are looking to go with a 400 foot line off the rear. Any tips and tricks for deployment and training on it? Never had one before in our department. Thanks. That's from Joe Gavita.
0: Um Oh, hey Joe. How you doing? You know, I you know, I, I'll tell you, and this, this kind of will spend. I'm going to answer Joe's question, man. Joe's a great guy. Um, but there's one thing that I started focusing on about a year ago. You know, I've done two classes where it was just me, uh, commanding from the sidelines and commanding and control of fires. I think you came to one of them, didn't you, yeah, Gordon? Sidelines, yes. Yeah, And and they were both totally different. And, and I'm trying to find my niche in the world of teaching fire ground commanders, um, you know, commanding from the sidelines... Where it's a class, it's not just blue card, it's not just, you know, the typical East Coast tactics run around with a hula hoop. Where people that I can truly show people in in my nearly 18 years as a fire ground commander in a busy Metro County. Sometimes I sit in the front seat looking through the windshield, sometimes in the back of the buggy on my phone, like I am in the ladder twelve grab. And sometimes I'm in the front door feeding hose because we're, you know, task saturated, incident-limited, you know, staffing. But, you know, so to answer Joe's question is you know, I don't have a problem with a 400-foot pre-connect, man. There's places all over the country have been doing a lot. And and I know people want to throw out Oscar Armstrong's incident with the 350-foot pre-connect, um, whatever it was. I think it was Engine 9 on Laila Avenue, Engine 9 or Engine 11. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the 350-foot pre-connect, there was more to the problem than that and, and you know, a great fire department. And that's, you know, our importance to study it is, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. And I got brothers that work with me tonight probably listening I wish in Escambia County we could have sexy low hose beds and, you know, bulk beds, and we could estimate the stretch and hook up. But it's, it's hard for me to push for that when I go to fires and they're doing such a jam-up job. And I know you can crucify me with a triple air load, but I, I just go to fires and they impress me. They do a great job with it. So, Joe, the answer is you asking a question, you don't need to do anything else. You're going to figure it out. You're going to make it happen. Um, you know the biggest thing? Bumps to the pumps, that's the place you can break it and hook it up. You know, um, I don't have a problem. When I first went to Escambia County 21 years ago, if they needed a two and a half on a garage, they thought they had to stretch the entire 200 foot, two and a half pre connect. I mean, the guys now are doing a B Watch Blitz with a 50 foot of standpipe hose with a nozzle on it. Some are just stretching 50 or 100, breaking it, hooking into the number one or two discharge. So, Joe, if your buildings are there, um, we can do it, man. And, and the reality is with today's hose and pumps, there's nothing wrong with pumping a 400-foot, you know, inch and three-quarter hose line, which might even be an inch and eight-eight. Who knows what brand he's using? But there's nothing wrong with it. The key thing is get a pedo gauge out. Get a flow meter. Um, do some pump tests and figure out what your pump discharge pressure needs to be to get the flow for the nozzle that's the end of that hose line. Um, that's the, you know, that's the key of, of figuring out what you need to do. I think Orlando's working on some different, you know, hose beds that that they're going to do or, you know, different options. Um, For us, we rarely need anything more than a 200. So rare that to take up that much space and do away with our standardization of um, hose, you know, on on our rigs. Because I do think, I mean, Oscar Armstrong, Cincinnati, put out a great line of duty death report. Excuse me, the fire department itself did. And one of the things was doing some standardization of apparatus but the few times a year that we have to do that weird stretch they're going to grab the 100 foot gusting pack and 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 break the nozzle off the 200 foot pre-connect or they're going to do a beyond the pre-connect where they take a static bed of two and a half or three inch with a water thief which the water thief rarely ever does want more than one line hook up to it so it's really just a multiversal tool that can be used for emergency hydrant hookup feeding a ram or whatever the case may be so uh, i didn't mean to take that long to answer joe's question but I guess, you know, the thing for me is I'm slowly dipping out of giving my opinion on actual, you know, um, how to set up your rigs with hose and that. Obviously, I believe in, you know, the big three, desired amount, desired reach, desired nozzle reaction. But you need to set up the hose and nozzles based on your your, your district. You know, what are the buildings you go? I mean, you go into all garden departments. You go into all suburban long driveways where the rigs can't get down. Um, you know, I will say this. I think it's absurd to have a 100-foot bumper line and call it a trash line. I think all – if you're going to – I'm not saying you have to have a bumper line, but if you have a bumper line, it should be 150 feet. 100 feet from the rig, even on the shortest setback, is just not enough hose. Even if it's a car fire, that means you have to be within 100 feet of a $75,000 Suburban with a 35-gallon fuel tank that's made out of plastic. I don't think that's real good Park a $600,000 apparatus with 100 feet of a vehicle. Um, you know, if you have 150, you can be 100 feet back and still have 50 feet of working line. And I tell you, our guys, man, they do a jam up job with that bumper line when they pull down a driveway or they 45 in to get out of the way of the truck. A lot of times that bumper line is what they stretch for an initial attack line. Cause we have a, you know, the hose is created equal to our across lays, and we put, you know, L Cart 150 at 50s, you know, nozzles on there. I, you know, um, we've been phasing into the only break apart we have is the bumper now so you can put a foam tip on there extend it you got the option of a smooth bore whatever so it's a very versatile bumper sure. line but sorry joe i don't I, I mean i really don't have an opinion other than i i'm okay with a 400 foot inch and three-quarter pre-connect or, or or rear line more i'm more okay with it than i've ever been
1: awesome now you you start a hornet's nest there's quite a few questions coming at you on this 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 word ifsta so uh Garrett Tate says, since you talked about not agreeing with IFSTA, how do you convince the department that there are better ways to do things when all they care about is liability? And then your friend and mine, Rob Fisher, followed it up with, question, I am with many of the others above. If the IFSTA is outdated, how do we address this issue? How do we get people like Kurt and many others to write a text that is worth using? Man, it, it's complicated,
0: you know. Um, once that gets in the tracks, man, we just, we don't have enough of us people watching out there that have the ability or the time to put in. I mean, all you got to do is go look at the Ifsta manual people put it on social media all the time. These goofy chapters about search and fire attack and you know, all that. I, I, I don't have a key answer, man, other than, you know, do, do what you did, do what I did, do what Rob did and get promoted to battalion chief and slowly, you know, get that in there slowly find a way to to, to to teach your folks, show them what works on a fire ground. And, you know, since Rob asked the question, I'll throw it back at him. Ten pounds of pressure 100% of the time. And you just, you'll you work at it. We're making progress. We, we really are, you know, and and not everybody uses IFTA. I mean, I would say the majority of large, large cities are not using it. And, you know, people are just slowly phasing it in. When, when you are going to, you know, if you get into the training division, I mean... I got to throw this out there. Brian Brush in Midwest City, training chief. Brad Bennett, Spartanburg. I mean, I I had dinner with both of those guys, Brian Brush, you know, in Indianapolis last week, and Brad Bennett in in Spartanburg. And and I could throw a bunch. My best friend, my lifelong best, best, best friend, best man of my wedding next to my dad, um, lives, you know, across the street from me. He's a training chief in Pensacola. He's doing what he can. You know, he's a smart guy that that you know is, is way more emotionally intelligent than i'll ever be and so we need guys like that you just got to get more you know or gals you know get more people that love the job in the training division i'm telling you man that's the place to make it happen and just get them involved and be in that ear in the staff meetings get you know on these promotional exams it might take you five years but get chief john norman's you know book on the promotional exam you know get get that material, get, specific articles added to your SOGs. that's probably the the biggest thing we got to do and and I think the biggest thing coming down the pipe is firefighter com. I, I really do um it, it I, I you know I, I started firefighter rescues.com I guess over 10 years ago now which was a Mickey Mouse thing you know I mean I did it from my phone but you know that what they're doing is my dream. It really is. It's their dream. But they're doing it. But I'm get I'm so excited to be in the stands and sitting back and seeing this facts, man. And, and the stuff that Brush pulled out the first three months is what drove me. I was already writing the article, People Before Water, because I was, you know, talking to Brush Weekly on the numbers. And it, it, it's going to save lives. I'm telling you, we, we get the fire service to embrace booster backup, people before water, and they study the data from the over 2,000 grabs and Brian Brush's you know research project for University of Oklahoma, I truly 100% think we can get the number below 2,000 in 2020. I love that. I love that. I mean, that's what it's about. I, when I watched Chief Brian Brush, he was on a few months ago, and I watched it, and Chief Salka, man, had the best question. It, he wasn't beating them up. He was asking the most important question. What's this going to do? Is this going to lower the number, or is it just some more good-feel stuff? And I, I I wasn't going to get on there and be rude to Chief Brushing them, but I, I wanted to text or call Chief South and say, if, if you and I as speakers on the national circuit, if we pump this stuff and we push it and we drive people to reanalyze their tactics and what they're doing, then, yes, it will lower the numbers. Um, I mean this. I, I, I looked at those grabs. I look at grabs that Fort Walton mm. Beach has made. Northwest Florida and the eight five oh that have been made. We had four grabs in around about a two a month period. I don't know the exact time. But earlier this year in Scambia County, we had four grabs. I'm telling you, I've seen grabs in our department, the eight five oh and around the country that I know personally about, um, the ones that are on the grab podcast, just ten years ago, guaranteed twenty years ago, those grabs would have been fatality. I'm successful, not just you pulled them out and and they, they died. They didn't make it right. Yeah, they made it successful rescues where people lived 10, 20 years ago. They wouldn't have. The department didn't have the training. They weren't that aggressive. They didn't have the staffing. There's just so many great things that are happening, and we just got to take it to a new level. And, um, you know, the reality comes down to numbers, man. It's numbers on a firefighter rescue survey. And anything less than six, anything less than six within six minutes, the numbers go through the roof. We need six and under six. That should be the number. We need six firefighters. I'm writing it down myself because, I mean, I believe this, but it's just what we got to preach. We need six firefighters in under six minutes on a fire ground to get a line in a building and get a two-person search. That's the initial. Now, we need to back that up with the outside vent, coordinated fire attack, you know, sustained water supply, yes. all, all that other. But you just study UL. Use your own experience. we got to get water to cool the oxygen limited environment and we got to get somebody searching simultaneously. You know, the the, the numbers are there. You got to read them. You just can't skim over it. You got to look you got to dive deep into it to really figure out, you know, what it is.
1: Love it. Okay, real quick, I'm going to interrupt and say everybody um, normally there's not this much, inter- but there's so much interaction that I'm actually, this, the comments are scrolling off before I can get to them. I probably won't be able to see them until it's no longer live. So I'm just telling you that there's been some good questions go by. I had, I, heard, I saw a question about search. I don't remember who asked it. So please repost it. You were asking about how do you prioritize search when you're not sure about victims. Uh, I, I don't know the exact wording, so please repost it. Um, there was another one about tactics. Anyway. If you want a question to be asked, you you may have to re, repost it because they are actually leaving to where I can't see them. So I just wanted you guys to know that because I would like to have ha- throw them at Chief because they are good questions. Um, and, guys, I, this is a great problem to have me trying to keep up with your comments. I, and you guys are doing an amazing job of answering each other's questions, so I really do appreciate that. Uh, someone wanted to know, Chief, what you thought of splitting a four-man engine company and running an engine and like a uh, – I forget the word they use, but like a truck. Oh, just cross-staffing. I mean, that's real
0: common. They got an engine and truck in the same firehouse, and they do two and two. I I don't even think –
1: not a ladder truck. They were talking about, like, a squad-type pickup truck ambulance. I'm not quite sure what the term they used was. They were doing two and two.
0: You know, I I can't speak for their department, man. I mean, you know, their chiefs have the reason why they do what they do. Um, You know, two are out on a squad going to a medical call that leaves two on an engine to still pull up, you know, to to hit an exposure with a deck gun or a garage fire or whatever, you know – ideally, I mean, for what I've experienced and my personal experience, I I would rather four rolling up on one rig under the command of one company officer to dictate that deployment. Um, You know, radios work. But when you start splitting people up and fragment, it just puts a lot of individual operations on a fire ground. But you got to do what your jurisdiction does. You know, Um, uh, ideally, I I, I prefer the the staffing all on one rig. And, And with Pensacola Beach in the past, we've had to do a lot of two and two. Um, so I do have experience with it and, and, and I understand the fire chiefs arguments of why they do two and two, you know, they have a city council and all that. And, I, and I'm not giving the political response, but you know, I, I'm not going to say anything on here that you're going to be able to take back to your fire department and get them to put all four on a rig. Right. And that's sometimes what people want. And I don't have that answer. I really don't.
1: I've got the question here. It says chief, and this comes from Dustin Ross Hopper. He said, chief, when there isn't an imminent rescue to be made, how do you prioritize the search? Do you use the second do or wait on the truck slash rescue?
0: You want me to give a 100% the factual answer? I'd love that. Yeah. There's always an intimate, re- <laughs> an immediate rescue. The house is occupied until we confirm that it's not occupied. I personally have been to way too many fires where they said nobody was home. Nobody's there. And they were, um, we, you know, and that's not just a coin answer. It's occupied. We, I mean, the grab that Ladder 12 just made into January, 10 10 Oh, two in the morning. That's the lowest hour in a 24 hour period of documented niffers reports of trapped. Occup- it's the safest hour in a 24 hour period of nobody trapped. No cars in the driveway. A dozen people standing in the street, across the street, only one caller. Everybody thought it was vacant. They're gone. There's usually a car there. And, we we went people before water first engine in stretched the line three person engine company nozzle and officer working the line pump operator working second rig came in dropped a seventy five foot you know booster backup feeder line and they they came off locked and loaded zero I mean the lowest possible chance other than a state farm agent standing out there saying I'm guaranteeing there's nobody in there that it was not it was vacant as vacant could be and they're running and we're gonna show the video tonight they're running down the b bravo side of the house mask already on you people out there asking about wearing masks they already had me i was in command the engine company's on team fighting the fire they're coming in they're searching they came off the rig their their mask is on boom they're 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 moving with purpose they're hustling they're running it's on video they're running down the side of the building don't tell me this shit you can't run on a fire ground because your family your ass will be running um And they went to the back of the building, they VES, like it was uh, just like you were going to a conference. What do you do at a conference when you know it's a rescue Randy you're looking for, right? We should be going to every building like we're trying to rescue the rescue Randy in front of our, you know, our comrades from around the country and impress them because our name's on the back of our coat and our department's on the back of our coat. That's what you ought to be doing at every single fire. Search has got to be a priority. You know, and I'm passionate about it, and I don't apologize. I've experienced over 50 civilian fire fatalities. You heard me talk, man. I tell it, the first one was in 1979, and I tell you that one, But you know, that one before I was, you know, like, you know, as a kid. And I watched him put a man in a body bag. My dad had explained to me what it was. And I've just been plagued of being on duty when this shit happens. It sucks, whether it's where I work now, when I worked in Pensacola, when I was in Midway. I mean, I went to a bunch of fire fatalities, Midway, more so, most of them, you know, more of them in, in Navarro, mutual aid. Um, you know, it, 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 you know Fort Walton, I, I haven't worked in a fire department where I didn't go to a civilian fire battalion. And and if you give a shit about what we're here for, what we stand up for, is nobody else is coming. 1999, Salka did one of the top 10 best keynotes on a big stage at FDIC. I was on our front row. And, you know, he said that we're, there's nobody else to call for a fire. There's nobody else. We're it. There's nobody else coming And we better be good at what we're doing. And, you know, if we're going to throw eight to 10 people at a 90-year-old in a fucking nursing home, then we ought to be throwing eight to 10 people at a private dwelling where a 14-year-old might be trapped or a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old that's got a good heart. Excuse me, I'm using a four-letter word. But at the end of the day, man, we got to take this stuff serious because if we're going to get it below 2,000, we're going to have to do more than we've been doing because we just keep regurgitating the same numbers. America Burning came out in the 70s. 8,000 civilian fire fatalities a year. We got it down to 3,000, and now we're hovering around the 2,500 mark. Well, when smoke detectors fail, we can't fail. It's our job to find them and remove them, give them solid BLS, and then upgrade to ALS and get them transported to the appropriate hospital for, you know, smoke inhalation, burn victims, whatever the case, you know, may be. But we got progress. Um, Back in the 80s, I was a junior firefighter. And I'm not knocking them, but I sat in a class in the late 80s at Midway where a Florida State Fire Marshal's office, a fire investigator for a Florida State Fire Marshal, was teaching the class going around the state of Florida where they taught it that if you found a victim dead, unconscious, whatever term you want to use, to leave them for the Mm. investigation. Mm. How many of those people back then could we have pulled out, pumped on their chest, and they woke up and said, oh, my brother's still in there, you know? So those are things. The grab back in January, the, the, the brothers, phenomenal job, man. It wasn't just one company. The brothers from Engine 11, 16, Squad 3, Engine 17, the whole battalion, the whole department, they're out there working, man, guys running with suctions and BLS bags and their full bunker gear pumping. Make I'm not even a paramedic. I can't spell paramedic. I can't, EMT, I, I don't know what that stands for, but they were pumping, and they told me there's, like, oxygen in your blood. I've heard that my whole life. That itself is going to make a big difference without, you know, all the other fancy drugs and that sort of thing. So, you know, we, we got to start doing things a little bit different while not getting too far away from our foundational tactics. Love it. Hey, for those people listening right now, whatever viewers are still there, write this down. This is a code to save you $99 on one of the net on on um, h or ODP. F-H-V-99. That stands for Firehouse Vigilance, $99, $99 off. FHV99. Scott was probably listening, so he'll probably post it up there. Um, for whoever's watching right now, Be a code FHV99 for $99 off, just for people giving up their time and investing and listening to my stupid-ass
1: rant. Dude, I love it, Chief. Okay, I've got a lot of questions that are kind of along the same lines coming from the audience, and I'm just going to throw them all out. I'm going to... You can go anywhere you want with some of them, and and believe me, they're not all the same questions. But basically, it's like, we've got automatic knowledge, and we'd like to switch to 7.8s. We've got, uh, how do you convince the admin that booster backup is worth implementing? You know, basically, it's a whole bunch of how do you implement change in your department. I know there's, I'm guessing you're going to go with our uh, Rob Fisher in how to implement change, but I'm throwing it at you. It's like, basically, the nutshell is, how do you go about implementing the change that you're talking about, the change that you espouse? Uh become a battalion chief where you get to be at fires and command what you do. And if
0: you know, an SOG is what it is. It's a guideline. Make sure that when you become a fire ground commander, or even a company officer, calling the first shots as a first or second company officer. And don't get yourself overboard. Make sure you read the Fire Stream Management Handbook by Fornell, William Clark's blue book from years ago, you know, John Norman's book. You know, fire I mean, and and, and here's the deal. You know, I, you know, I was knocking Ista. Give me thirty seconds. I'm going to grab something to see if it's. Uh, my son's door's closed. I'm over here at the cottage of my son's, but in his room on his bookshelf, you know, with some of Andy Frederick stuff and some nozzles, I have an Ista book in there that's that I had since I was a kid. The fire stream management from Ista, and there's good. There is good stuff in Ista, so I had to do reclaim that. I mean, there's solid stuff, but the problem is too many um, people get comfortable when they get promoted and they don't keep studying like you or you know Rob Fisher or these other folks. I, I'm telling you, man, I don't stop reading. Um I am I'm, I'm reading all the time. I just bought the late the last books of Vincent Dunn and and you know I'm gonna you know I've read one of them I'm gonna read the other one and I have read in every book he's ever written. Um you know when I'm doing a class I'll read up on stuff, you know, picking up the magazine. So what we need is more of these viewers that you're watching man. Take the time to study, 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 study and understand time in your tank and water consumption and hose lines and, and know how to get the most water efficiency, just like fuel efficiency in your truck. There's guys watching right now that went and bought some goofy ass air intake for their pickup truck to get one more mile to the gallon. I know there's somebody on here right now watching that did some goofy ass shit like that. Well, the same thing, figure out how to maximize, you know, your water supply. You know, the seven eights. Um, you know, I was having a conversation last night with Tim Klett, um, probably one of the best um nozzle firefighters in modern history, fire service. And I say that back based on some big mentors and legends saying he's one of the best, you know, working in some busy, you know, you know companies and busy, busy places in New York. And him and I were talking about the seven eights and 15 16th. I'm a huge. FDNY buff, man. I, I'm gonna just say it. I think the FDNY is the best fire department in North America. Hands down. I think it is for a lot of reasons. The leadership over the years, just you know, the things that they do, their SOGs, the ladders books, I mean, um, their culture of, you know, company assignments and all that. And I didn't just go say, well, hell, you know, I want to get a 15-16s, because that's what FDNY does. I mean, I love the Houston fire department. Kevin Story's a personal friend. What a phenomenal guy. I went and did tests, listen to the um, Brothers in Battle, um, or Fit to Fire podcast, On I got all my podcasts are under my bio on my website. But I talk in there and I give a full description of what the gallons per second evaluation is. I did it in the late 90s. Um, and I wanted to evaluate nozzle reaction, stream reach, and flows, not for what the FDNY is working with, but what we're working with in the 850. You know, the, the fire chief at the time, um, well, he's actually the deputy chief. He became the deputy chief in the summer of 1999, and he said, Ike, I want you to figure out what it is. You've been telling me about these smoothbores for the last five years, and and you know we weren't even to 2,000 yet, but they were about to hire the first 36 firefighters. And he said, you truly put your name on it and tell me what nozzle we need, and I'm going to buy it. But if it turns out to be wrong, I'm going to hold you accountable. Right on. And there are people in this country that fought for 15, 16 steps – fought for them because they didn't do their homework or they didn't listen to the, the the people that were evaluating. I know this happened in a bunch of places where they evaluated the 7 and 15-16s. The 7-8s truly won, but they put blindfolders on. And then they got to fires where the 15-16s caused them problem because the pump operator wasn't up to speed and the pumping wasn't right and the hose didn't fit the nozzle and they had kinking issues. And, you know, you got to know your flow. You got to you know, I did some videos years ago where I compared the seven 8s and the fifteen 16s both flowing the same, same pressure. And when we kinked the line, same hose as the seven eighths, as the fifteen, when we put the same exact size kink using a prusik cord on a fifteen 16s as we did the seven eighths, the seven eighths flowed more water because that little bit of, of smaller tip created enough back, back pressure. pressure the right. inner right. liner of the hose line kept it open, like green gar- you know, the green grandma's garden hose that it actually, the 7 eighths flowed more water than the 1516. So, I, you know, we did things like that. I, I had a lot of, you know, great firefighters helping me. So we did a significant hose and nozzle back. It was work. I mean, we got furniture that we piled in the drill tower. We were cranking them, them F-500 smoke machines. I think we were burning like 20 gallons in four hours. We had them just wide open. We preheated the liquid fluid. So it didn't, it, when it went through the machine, it, the heater could keep up. And and we did the gallons per second evaluation at a two-and-a-half-story drill tower, and a 7 eighths it, man. And I can tell you, I do a lot of spectating. I spectate a lot of fires um, where I'm in charge, and I just haven't seen my guys that were a 7-8. If they broke the threshold... I'm telling you, they didn't have to back out. I might have called them out because the bunker factor got me a little scary, mary ish. And, you know, they were, if I didn't back them out, they, to be honest with you, they probably would have won and put the fire out. But I, I haven't seen the seven eights ever fail. I mean, now I pulled up on fires and I knew based on visually what I'm looking at that we need bigger than a seven eights. Um, and it, it just, it kicks ass, man. Awesome. You know, talking about 150, and we under pump it most of the time. 150 at 50 or, you know, it's 150 at 40 something, but you know what I'm saying? We, you know, I like the throttle pump because we run 150 at 50s and seven eights, but we can, you know, and I'll say this and then we'll move on to the next question. Write this down. This is this is a factual statement. Seven eights is the only, only smooth board tip that I found that 100% is an effective Selecto gallonage smoothbore. And I kind of making that terminology up myself, but for weapon selection, and you can look at the barrels, man. I love the barrels and Spartanburg guys, man. They get uh, they them up. The barrels are kick ass. But the 7 8s, you can under pump it at 40, and you can over pump it at 60, and it's still going to give you the flow, the reach, and the nozzle reaction that's manageable for a three to four person engine company. You can't do that with a 15 16s. You can't really do it with an inch and an eight. You could argue you could do it with an inch and three sixteenths, but, but I want to stay on, you know, attack packages that are going into residential structures tonight. Focus on, you know, that. So, you know, a seven seven eights, man, I, I believe it. And, and you can, it's not a slogan or whatever. I think it's the America's tip. And I say that because it's what's right for 75%. The FDNY, that's great. Fifteen, sixteenths has been working. I can't argue for 40, 50 years, but, you know, even, even Chief Morris, it was Captain Bob Morris on Rescue 1, told me numerous times, came up to me in 2006 sitting on the front row when I was teaching on the floor at Firehouse World in San Diego. And Chief Morris said, I wanted the seven eights in the 70s. In the FDNY, Chief Morris wanted them to go with the 7-8s. And once they did, they just didn't change it. Captain Bob Morris went to Stanford, Connecticut, came the assistant chief, you know, no bigger student in the fire service than him. Guess what he's using in Stanford? seven eights um you know so you know i don't know just just keep working at it man. i like to use st john's county max and them guys down there it took them 10 years to go from automatic selected gallons to low pressure high flow nozzles it's worth the fight don't ever give up um there's plenty of articles out there you can google you know dating back to Vesling's, to you know camello and and, you know daryl liggins articles that date back to the 90s none of this stuff is new man you know, none of it's new. What's new is old. What's old is new. Right it's on. Really, right I mean, on. I mean, how my kids dress, you know?
1: Yeah, that's the truth of it right there. The uh, I had a question here. No, um, Tank fired up Morris. Tank Morris said that they made a boost. And I lost your comment because, again, I can't keep up with them, guys. But he, ba- they basically made a booster tank attack on an industrial fire. Five guys, one engine booster tank attack. And they basically kept it from becoming a major incident. It, tell me if I'm wrong on the details of that. I want to say it was Tennessee but I might have lost it and then people were saying it was a bang up fire so that's just one uh example. Another question I have that is chief, do you think everyone should be masked up and ready to clip in while in route or does it create tunnel vision on a ride? What's your what's your take on the masking? Great great question. In my opinion it has changed over Corey here. Summers by the way. I just want to throw him
0: out. Go. Okay. So no no that that's a great question. And, and I tell you man, I I'm not as good as my dad, but I try to be half as good as my dad about being open and not being ignorant because I said, "Well, I wouldn't do that," and then changing things change. So, I've, I've never told my folks that they couldn't. So, back when I became a battalion chief in two thousand and four, uh, my lieutenant on engine three hundred and nineteen was Steve Booth. He actually, you know, phenomenal uh, battalion chief, friend of mine. He's who I will relieve in the morning. He's a battalion chief the day before me, and he was a lieutenant on three hundred and nineteen with his three guys, and they they kicked ass at fires, man. Just workhorses and i'm telling you when he when he cheap booth now but when lieutenant booth was on 319 dude he didn't come off that rig without his mask on and i didn't like it at first but he just worked too damn hard at a fire for me to to tell him he couldn't do it i never told him he couldn't a few times i I told him i said you know man if you're turning and going north so when he pulled out of his firehouse if he was turning left and i'm chasing you just please think about maybe not having that mask on but if you're turning right and i'm on scene first man that's what you want to do that's fine and, and when we got to fires, man, we had to get it on it as quick as we could. There was four of them and me and 690 gallons of water. And we weren't laying it and leaving it. They were coming in and we were putting everything we had into maximizing 690 gallons. And so, you know, my opinion on that's been back and forth. What I would say is I would rather my first Duke company officers, they're going to arrive with nobody on scene. An engine company, Quint, whatever, they're going to pull up on a fire first. Nobody's there. I prefer them not to have their mask on. They can get off face-to-face to, to see somebody. They can smell what's going on outside. Their mask is not fogging up, depending on what the humidity is and the temperature outside. And, and I don't want them to have a mask on telling they're definitely going inside, even though we're all offensive until told otherwise. But the more, the longer I do this, the more I do it, the more I'm okay with the second-due company that, that, you know, with us – we, we've had a lot of civilian fire battalions, 23 civilian fire battalions in a little over a year, years ago. We don't go a year without them. So our department's seen a lot of people die in fires. And I would say most of the time, I think it's advantageous for a company coming in, arriving second, where the the there's already a rig there stretching a the line, fighting fire, probably should come off with her mask on for a fast attack residential fire, not commercial, where – We know that it's worth the risk to put people in the building and we search and prove that nobody is inside. Um, And I love that question because, you know, I'm more for it now than I've ever been.
1: Right on, right on. Dude, keep them coming, guys. Uh, I love the weekly scrap has the best audience and the best questions, man. It's fired up guys from the fire service. I always say mutts don't scrap, and I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. So, Chief, I got another one here, and it's, uh, from Jordan Barnard, he said, Chief, how can I get my department to realize that our flow matters? Our department has combination nozzles, and a lot of our guys don't pump at the required pump pressure to get the flows we need, but they don't think it's a big deal because all of our fires have went out. I know it's a complacency issue, but I don't know how to find the data to actually show them that our flow matters.
0: Well, you know, ULs there. The UL Fire Academy used the UL Interior Fire Attack Study. You know factual stuff to give to the the ops chief the training division the fire chief um you know ul used 150 gpm and, and i'll tell you a court of law 150 is what's going to be the answer in a court of law and they call them whatever experts i don't know how you become an expert in a fire service i'm still trying to figure that one out but um if they find some expert they're going to say 150 that's what's in the books that's what's in all the articles that's it. It isn't 185. It isn't 210. It's 150. So you find a way and and Elkhart will get you the flow meters. They'll get you the pedo gauges. They'll, they'll come in and help you, you know, do some flow tests free of charge, you know, but you got to do your own research, too, on reading those articles, um, you know, that are out there on on it, you know, on, on weapon selection, the, the older articles, you know, the fire in Oakland. I mean, everybody should have to read the article. That Jay Kamel and Daryl Liggins wrote back. I want to say 1999. Um, you know, on the line of duty, death. There, you know, the, um, that that those things. And you know, it's just it, it's. You go back to Clark's book, the Blue Book. Chief Clark says it, when you start applying water, if you don't see a difference in 60 seconds, your application rate is outgunned. You're you're underflowing. If you're flowing more GPMs and BTUs, you know, or megawatts of energy, then you're going to see results in 60 seconds. All you got to do is watch the Cobb County video, um, you know, up in Georgia with the UL. We're talking about they extinguished all that fire on that two-story townhouse, highly combustible exterior. Fires coming out the the sliding glass windows. I put it on CF Tactics the other day. I videoed it, it when I was in the big room
1: at FDIC. I'm gonna try and pull, hey, it, pull it up. Cheap. that damn! you pulling it up. I'm trying to. weird Try to figure out where I where I hid it in here. I'm less than,
0: less than 200 gallons. And, you know, that's what's cool about these UL burns, man, is is it's real fuel packages, too. It's couches and beds, and, you know, they're, we're, they're putting it out quick because they're flowing the gallons per second. And I'll tell you, the national standard accepted flow rate is 2.5. There it is right there, uh, 2.5 wow. gallons a second. Let's watch this video. You started over, Corley.
1: I'll bracket it up.
0: So right here, this is an inch and three-quarter. That's not 185 gallons a minute. They, they measured it. UL measured it, 180, look at that fire blowing out the first floor, blowing out the second floor, it's getting into the stoppage, this is a two-story apartment, townhouse, condo, I don't give a shit what you call it, It's it's a place that people live in and die, and I know it's an exterior string, but this is that way you can visually see it, and they get up to that window, and that's aggressive firefighting, 185 gallons puts that out, you know what? If I pulled up on that first doing an engine, I'd probably use a 50-foot section of two and a half and blitz it with a two and a half just for the hydraulic power to blow them soffits out to get water in the attic while a firefighter stretching an inch three quarter to go in the front door and get the closet fires, or what Ray calls the drywall, what you can't extinguish with an exterior stream reach. Um, but regardless, this video was from last week in a multi-family building. And I mean they got knocked down. It's it's not, I mean, that proves the power of our booster tank right there. Thanks for being able to pull that up too, Courtney. That's cool as shit. Ugh. And they're moving in just to mop it up. You know, um, and, and and that's that. That's it. I mean, and I tell you, you know, going to fires in the late 80s, while well, I was going through and growing up with my dad, but riding the fire truck starting in 1988 and seeing what we were doing with our selector gallanties where we dialed them up to just 125, old old plastic, um inch and a half hose inch and three-quarter hose depending on what rig it was you know we didn't pump them real great and man we could keep a mobile home we could keep a trailer burning for an hour we could drop ten thousand gallons of water on it um but if you go to countyfiretatics.com under videos the first video you see the top video on countyfiretactics.com under videos the first one when you click on that videos part that's a 20 seconds and 20 seconds I mean, literally flowing less than five gallons a second—about a hundred gallons—knocks down the end of that mobile home fire. That's where you're going to get more efficiency, faster knockdown with less water. It's just you're not you're not having premature vaporization because of an under you know attack package.
1: Love it. You good with more questions? Yeah. All right, I'm keeping them coming. I got one guy, uh, Chief Stephen McCaffrey. Stephen McCaffrey asked, Chief, how do you dance around the two outlaw? while still being aggressive with putting water on the fire and committing people to search?
0: Man, two in, two out is just a cop-out for people. That's all it is. Um, you know, at the end of the day, every house fire I've ever been to, man, I, I, you know, I can show where I, I had a reason to believe somebody was in there, so that don't mean anything. Two in, two out. And here's the deal. You're gonna, I, I could do an hour class on this question. We're not going to go down that. But, you know, chiefs don't read the whole U.S. Fire Administration rule on that. United States Fire Administration says two in two out. If you take notes, write this down. Two in two out is I writ. I R I T, Initial Rapid Intervention Team. It says in the U.S. Fire Administration that once your assignment gets there, your box alarm, your initial first alarm assignment, which yes, is based on the AHJ authority having jurisdiction, then you're supposed to have a four-person routine. team. Nobody worries about that checking a box. You know? So hopefully that two in two out is just faded away, and that was some fad. Because two out ain't never going to save two in no matter what. And I don't want to go down this, but I'm going to tell you right now, a RIT team, a writ team, 99% of the time isn't going to do shit for a fireman when shit goes bad at a mm. residential fire. You know why? Residential fires is a rapidly changing fire game. It's a flashover. Even even if they're kick-ass, man. And I, and I want to use Steven Solomon in Atlanta. and um, what a you know great bunch of firefighters. Squad four, they those guys are kick ass company. They were in there to get Stephen Solomon out probably faster than any rescue's ever been made in the fire service. Those guys, boom, in there, had him out, got him in the back of the ambulance in a major city, and we still lost Stephen Solomon. Now, if he had a chance in the world of survival, Squad four gave it to him. The point is, it. The, the the flashover is what it is man the chances of survival are so minimal i mean you almost got to be like the fire in brooklyn from rescue 2 where they're almost at a window and they boom they're out the window on their own on a ladder and they were wearing gear like fd and wild buys where they actually give a shit and spec the tp level at a rate that will give you enough seconds to survive but but most people are buying the minimum level they can get they don't even, the department don't even give a shit about the tp level you've got to balance that stuff out and those are key you know those are key factor too but you know they, they lost captain drennan um on 62 watt street so new york city is you know the, the, the they make sure that they have a certain tp level that they're doing you know so i, I don't want to get off on the two and two out and, and don't get me wrong you know i'm not saying you shouldn't have rick teams I, I believe in rick i think i took the best RIT train-to-trainer course that exists in the American Fire Service at FDTN in Indianapolis, uh, hands down the best RIT program. And I can tell you, I don't want firefighters entering a commercial occupancy without a sustained water supply and a four-person RIT team and a bunch of other stuff. Because in a commercial occupancy, there's a higher possibility that not two in, two out, but four properly trained, experienced firefighters – with the right tools, a writ bag for an air transfill, a search rope, and they know how to use it, there's where a writ team is going to save a life. When somebody's lost, disoriented, run low on air, you know, maybe they're trapped or pinned. And, and I'm not saying it can't happen. I mean, I'm I, I made up with this job. Um, you know, I can't say it without remiss because, you know, I say something people take me out of context. Dude, the rescues in Gloucester City, Gloucester City, New Jersey. I mean, you don't know about that fire. Read about it. Those are fires that any fire ground commander's got to study. As a chief, I got to know about Gloucester City. So when I'm standing in the front yard, sitting in my driver's seat of my chief's bugger at the back of it, and a damn building, God forbid, falls down on my men or women, I got to know there's a chance if we can get in there with cribbing, airbags, hopefully an extended, you spec out a longer hose on your rip bag, and you can get them air. I mean, look at one of the the calls in Worcester, Not, not December 1999, but in a triple decker, where we have one fatality, another one was in the basement, and get down to them. So, so don't take me out of context. Yes, the RIT team has made some awesome rescues, but historically, in the last two decades, most of our deaths on residential fires is death on the nozzle from rapidly changing fire conditions. So, more importantly than worrying about two out, is two more on that hose line flowing water. And not scared to flow water when you got thick black cotton candy pushing out that front door below the doorknob. You got to put water on black fire. You got to put water on that smoke because we can't afford for the enemy and the enemy of today. Write this down. The enemy of today and tomorrow is oxygen. That's what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I, I go to too many fires. Love I it. study Love oxygen it. scares the shit out of me. Look at the San Francisco fire, Berkeley Way. They went in the front door. You, my phone, my watch just told me it had trouble hearing me. I must not be talking loud enough. I got to turn it. <laughs> no shit, I swear my watch just said that. But Berkeley Way in San Francisco, our brothers lights spoke show, and they went in, and the windows, the, the the sliding glass windows on in the basement, as they call it, it was exterior, but it was a house on a hill. They failed in one minute, less than two minutes, and I actually gave a slide. I think you got that slide. Can you pull that up, Corey, um, from uh Berkeley Way. I don't know if I have that And one, I'm Chief. going to San Francisco for four days before the Andy Fredericks Golf Tournament Angels Camp. I don't, I, I don't think I have that slide, Chief. Well, I'm gonna send it to you real quick. But and um at the end of the day, we got to understand that that fire in Berkeley Way is um a minute or two. The window nobody took it to firefighters, didn't break. It just failed. We don't know when it's gonna fail. And if you go to YouTube awesome 12-minute video you can teach yourself go to youtube just put house on a hill line of duty death and watch that 12-minute video and it will um go over that fire to understand going like a flow path going down a hill or down a set of stairs coming up a set of stairs and you can't predict i'm texting it to you now corley all right um you can't predict when it's going to fail you know i wish we could but it's like a milk jug upside down when you open that cap, it's like opening the front door. Nothing, it's water, blow, up like smoke coming out. When the top of that milk jug gets a hole in it or that window fails in the rear or on the side like the window being vented in Homewood, Illinois, Katie barred the door, baby. It's it's all off. The only thing, the only thing that's going to stand between you and a flashover is water the equalizer. And that's going to remove the heat before the oxygen Combines with superheated unburned fuel gases, and that's the only way that we're going to eliminate death on the nozzle while still lowering the number below two thousand on a fire ground.
1: That picture come through coolly. They come through, I'm getting it pulled up now. I'm shifting it over.
0: So so here's the deal. If you're writing this down, you you gotta go to YouTube and put in San Francisco L-O-D-D. You need to pull up the San Francisco Fire Department. Not Nash, not NIST, those are good. Pull up the one that Chief Franklin and them did, and read that damn thing cover to cover. It's the only way you can truly honor and remember those two brothers on Engine 26 and then then watch the the reenactment by NIST um, and what's going on. That's what we have to do. We can't not, you know, take the time to research these, talk about them. These are fires that were booster tank fires um, on arrival, but unexpectedly, a window failed. And it was a window in a basement that was open because it was a house on a hill. And now the, the, the initial attack point was, you know, uh street level on the a side and they opened it up. So now it's even worse. It's like opening the, the top of a, a chimney um, on the first part of it. There, there it go. is right there. Awesome. Thanks, Corey. So, so look at this on his picture right here. I want you to look at the top left 10 minutes and 58 seconds and, you know, 10 minutes and fi- 10, 58 and 21 seconds. I'll get that right. Ten fifty-eight and 49 seconds look at that folks look at that we're talking about like 30 seconds like less than 30 28 seconds shit was survivable in that in that house and that window fails and then you look at it in about a minute later less than two minutes at 11 30 at 11 30 within two minutes the place is roaring and and i and i showed this to you just for you to read the report put out by San Francisco, re- listen to the 12-minute audio, came out as a sparking outlet, came out as a set of curtains on fire. And when you hear curtains on fire, you can't get complacent. You got to say, well, that's the three minutes and 40 seconds on the le- on the uh, modern furniture. And if it's going to take me more than three minutes and 40 seconds from when the curtain's caught on fire, there's plenty of heat, fuel, and oxygen. It's a fire triangle. Don't tell nobody it's a new thing on fire behavior. Your shit's not going to be good unless you bring water with you and you're willing to use the water you can't be scared to run out of water we got to put water on the uh on the the black fire on the smoke it's 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 just it's the biggest thing that we gotta push as a whole on what we're doing on a fire ground
1: awesome I hope that answered this question that was a little like the air. That was beautiful, Andy. You got to work the picture in. So you did send me that picture earlier. I didn't realize what the picture was, so I didn't put two and two together. So that's on me. Everybody, I'm getting questions. No, it's not Modelo. It's Miller Lite. I had I had my friend Adam Sullivan tell me that I didn't have to drink Michelob Ultra, which I think is a very watery beer now. But not the point. I've lost 15 pounds switching to the Ultra. He said that the Michelob Light tastes better and it's about the same calories. So. That's my whole dietary upgrade. It's not scientifically based. It's on an opinion of a man I trust. So, all that being said, uh, there's the update there. Questions coming at you, Chief. And anything you want to go on, let me know. Okay. Question. Maybe my lack of knowledge or research, but how many line-of-duty deaths have you found where firemen have died on the nozzle while flowing the nozzle? It seems most of the line-of-duty deaths are related to lack of water, getting off the hose line, or not flowing while in declining conditions. What are your thoughts?
0: Um, I... I you know, here's the deal. We, we, you know, we weren't in there. We, we don't know. right? You know, Homewood, Illinois, we don't know if they, if they were flowing or not on that like two and a half and, and it just all of them. But um, I've tried to study every line of duty death since November 25th, 2000, that involved a firefighter on a nozzle, the attack team, um, first two engine company specifically uh, type of thing, residential houses, if you will. Um, I don't know of one where they were flowing water. Um, all the, the signs, um, the information, photos, video, radio traffic, you know, you, you just take that and you, you make a, a guess at it, you know. But the, the thought process, the hypothesis, whatever you want to call it is, that, that all of them, they weren't flowing water when there was a flashover or rapidly changing fire conditions, um, you know. And I, I, I tell you just, you know, from the the stuff I've done, I I, I, I can't say, but I would bet – my life on it in a residential compartment, even with hoarding conditions, I think it's almost impossible for it to flash over for 150 gallons a minute. Now I want to say something I've never said before. Uh Um, I don't know how many people we got listening right now or watching, but um, the reality is we put out a shitload of fires with 80 gallons a minute, hundred gallons a minute, 125. I, I, I'm glad that we have a, a margin of safety, you know. Um, I, you know, just like in, in special ops, it's a fifteen to one on ropes. The reality is, one fifty is kick ass, and by no means am I advocating doing less than one fifty. What I am telling you is, from what I've seen, what I've experienced, my study and reading, uh, believing in everything that UL is doing, man, one fifty. If you're willing to open that bail and use it, I mean, it's almost impossible. I mean. You know, and, 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 and if you have a, you know, a 750 tank, I mean, I'd like, you know, and the viewers, I would say majority of the viewers use a 750 tank. There might be a few in here doing 500 or a quince 500. But most, when I travel, that's one of the questions I ask. I'm pretty confident that 75% of the fire service engine companies are running 750 tanks. No, no. Um, obviously, some suburban apartments are running a 1,000. But, you know, you think you can make a swimming pool in a three-bedroom, two-bath house, with a 750 tank almost um the what you can extinguish with 2.5 gallons a second coming out of an inch and three-quarter is just off the chart it's crazy the amount of fire you can extinguish
1: love it hey I, got, I I have something here which is uh lawrence wadsworth brought it up and there's the the pipeman podcast from brothers in battle they just put out episode two i believe it's episode zero and episode one but episode one but anyway he talked about that a room can't flash if the floor is soaked with water, and I'm hearing a lot more about this—the the the floor being soaked with water and the effects it has on fire dynamics. Thoughts on that? What do you? What have you heard? Uh, your, um, your experiences. You know, and and actually, that video you
0: just showed actually near the end of it, if I didn't cut it off, Dennis talks about water has value on the floor. Um, and and you know, I I can't say it and say it eloquently, but you know. Yes, there's a value to water on the floor. We've But we've always been told to sweep the floor, you right. know, whether it's because of hypodermic needles, keep from burning our knees. The FDNY back in the 90s put out a poster. They hung it in their firehouses. It's hanging at ladder 12 on a wall about sweeping the floor. And, and engine back in, I don't know if they still do, FDNY, the engine knee pads, they had knee pads to keep their knees from melting on the carpet of their stairs um, as they were doing in um, advance. So yes, there's value to water on the floor. We, the fire service, should not be worried about when the fire is extinguished, you know, having a water on the floor, whether it's an inch of water, whatever it is. Yes, there's guaranteed there's value there. Um, But don't get so consumed with that that you're going in sweeping the floor nonstop. You still got a water map off of that ceiling, whether it's plaster, tongue and groove, you know, sheetrock, whatever it is, and get that water mapping. And, you know, it's a great video that on Brass Tax Hard Facts, And that's what we're going to do on Water on a Fire Week after next is uh, ULs building that water mapping prop. And there is a lot for us to to make progress on teaching our nozzle firefighters how to maximize, um, you know, specifically an inch and three quarter um, on an interior residential fire attack to not only prevent flashover, but have a more rapid fire attack. And I think moving into next year, I think we need to get a resurgence of hydraulic ventilation, I think that, you know, when I said we need six below six, six firefighters on a fire ground in less than six minutes to really get that number as high as it can go, that's going to involve the coordinated fire attack and getting water on the black fire, cooling and burning solid fuels, two people assigned to a search. And then when you get to the room of origin, get, whether it be a smoothbore, smoothbore will do hydraulic ventilation. We got to bring hydraulic ventilation back to the forefront on a fire ground based on what we're seeing in the coordinated fire attack studies understanding modern fuel packages and how they're affected in today's um construction and yesterday's construction um with today's you know furnishings
1: love it (laughs)
0: uh hey and and if you don't don't drop now we're going to show the ladder 12 grab video here oh absolutely absolutely before water
1: I don't. I have. I'm trying to. I mean, I'm again. There's so many comments. There's tons of conversations. People responding to their questions, answering questions, having conversations about videos and techniques. Uh, Brian Schwab said, "The water is free. Flow water. You can dry shit out, but you can't unburn it." And he's quoting right. Chief Ike. So there you go. Oh, no, it's the truth, man. I think that's the most important thing I tell when I teach somewhere. Is you can dry shit out, but you
0: can't unburn it. We got to get. We got to get rid of worried about water damage. That's the most stupidest, absurd thing I've ever heard of. You know, firefighters, you know, firefighters burn up in fires. They don't drown. Is there some anomalies? A training chief in Binghamton, New York, drowned 30 or so years ago. And, and we do need to honor and remember those incidents. Um, you know, and there was an accountability thing there where he would responded from home. And so I try to study those, keep them in the back of my mind and know about it. But I got to go with the majority of, of what happens on a fire ground. The highest probability is your ass is going to get caught in a flashover if you're crawling around in low visibility, zero visibility, high heat conditions. And we got to get better at teaching our firefighters what saturation rate is. We got to teach them when they come off the rig mm. and it's 45 degrees outside or their cab is 72 degrees that when they break that threshold of a superheated environment, every second that they're in that superheated environment, their gear is saturating. And getting hotter. That's like a piece of paper in an oven that you crank up to five hundred and fifty degrees. The hotter that piece of paper gets, that if you were to throw a lighter to it, the faster yeah. it's going to auto-ignite. And so that regardless of what your TP level is, you're inside a building doing a search operation and it shits hot and the engine company's not cooling it down. When something goes bad in four, five, six, seven, eight minutes and it flashes your chance of survival in number of seconds is going to be less than if it would have happened 30 seconds after you entered that environment. And we're not teaching that in rookie schools. We've got to get a nationally accepted beyond minimum standards program that teaches folks within the first year after they get on the job. Recruit schools is not enough. And what I'm seeing around the country is that's the new norm, is fire departments are teaching their recruit schools or rookie schools. They're giving them the bare minimum And then we're not packing in, within their first year, a Beyond Minimum Standards program that's going to get them some of the stuff we're talking about tonight. And and it's got to be extensive, man. You know, it it probably should be, I don't know, 120, 168 hours. The next best thing is if you got a training budget, man, send them to Jim's place, FDTN. There is no better place than FDTN in Indianapolis. Look it up. Hopefully uh, you or Scott can put a link up. That is the ultimate County fire tactics, what we do in Pensacola Beach, man, it would put a pimple on a boar's ass compared to what they can do in Indianapolis at Ten for real-world training. And, and while we got a spot here, I want to put out one of my announcements. Do it. We've been do it. Out ones. i got to put it out there. It's been a, over a 10-year dream. Jessica and I went today to Pensacola Beach, met with Misty, the head banquets lady. We signed all five contracts for next year. And um, they started a parking fee at the Hilton. And the Hilton agreed with us, they eliminated still zero for parking, $99 hotel rooms for three out of our five conferences, um, and just unbelievable rates. We're, next year, we're going to do the whole year with the wristbands again. Because if you don't know, man, inflation, it's a real word. Inflation is real. And that's the reason why next year we're probably going to be our last year um, to do – we're definitely not going to do five um, – But next year is the last year that we're going to have the five conference series, the last year for the CFT 100. But I'm excited to announce that confirmed today I signed the paperwork that we're locking those in so you can get that same quality training for the price you've been getting in the past. We're not going to stop. We're going to continue till the end of next year, till December 2022 with those free shuttles with Dreamcatcher. And here's the big one. The first part of 2023 – The first part of 2023, and that's the first year that we're not going to do all five conferences. I'm waiting on the Hilton. I asked the Hilton to get with all the properties out there. I want them to pick the week that is the most affordable for you, the conference attendee. But we're going to do the fire conference. That's going to be the title. And people can make fun of it, but that's what it's going to be called. The fire conference on Pensacola Beach. It's going to be over a 1,000 people. It's going to be our first conference where we're going to have five different options simultaneously so you might be in in one room you know for the whole week doing the odp program you might be up on a second floor in a different room you know doing a beyond minimum standards back to the basics you might be in another room all week doing water on an, an advanced 40-hour water on the fire um you know from nozzle to running the pump to hydrants that sort of thing and man it's going to be cool we're going to we're going to use all three hotels and we're going to um Make sure that we have multiple, up to possibly five hotels with rates starting at $99 and possibly some of the hotels um, under $99 with the free shuttle. And we're going to do some crazy deals like um, opening at $99 for X number of attendees wow. and just keeping the price crazy. You'll fly in on Sunday um, or, or drive in on Sunday afternoon, leave on Saturday morning. 40-hour v-fire conference with everything from the recruit beyond minimum standards program to the fire ground commanding from the sidelines and um you know it's going to be winter time we're going to work on getting a band every night nice uh, so man and this this might be the only time i ever do it right but since we're done next year it's our last time to do the five conferences um I, I want to do something big and blow it out of the park and say i did it i just People have heard me say for years. I've always had this weird goal that in the winter I wanted to break a thousand firefighters on Pensacola Beach, and, and it's got to be done in the dead of winter when all the hotels are right, vacant. Right. And we can occupy them. It's easier to to just make it happen, and it's cheaper. We can get crazy deals, man. And that way, when a firefighter's coming to uh, leaving their family for six nights, I got to get them hotel rates below a hundred dollars. They split it with somebody's fifty bucks a person a right, night. It's right. three hundred dollars a person for a week of lodging. Possibly they get in early, it's going to be 99 or $199 to register. Free shuttle, no parking pass. And, um, you know, it, it's going to – and this February coming up, the CFT Fire School this February, which we're giving a free pass away tonight, that's going to be a little practice. It's kind of – it ain't going to okay. be like E Fire School in 2020, but that's kind of tweaking it. And that's the one where anybody listening, if you're interested in teaching at CFT Fire School in February um, – just send me your class title, a description, your bio. Just email it to me. Um, but I want to try to give people, I want to promote other training companies. Um, you know, I'm not in competition with anybody. And I want to give some people a chance that haven't had a chance the last 10 years to be on the stage and teach at Pensacola Beach and just, you know, share the message. So that's just one of our uh, big
1: announcements. Huge, man. That is huge. A thousand people on Pensacola Beach. Here's what I'll say if you've. De- th- if you've never made it to pensacola beach or or pensacola for cf tactics conference then you are missing one of the uh gems of the fire service of one of the gems of the modern fire service that's all i can say the fellowship the conference the knowledge the reps everything about it um so anyway i'm obviously a fan But uh, a couple of things, Uh, Insight Fire Training, Chief Andy Starnes, he does a lot of videos he posts on his Facebook page. Check it out, because Chief Ike talked about saturation. He posted one, I think it was today, maybe yesterday, that was just a beautiful visualization of why you should open the nozzle because of the saturation going on with bunker gear. Um, Jeremy Greist asked a question about elaborating on hydraulic ventilation with a smoothbore. If you go to the study of the impact of fire attack by UL, Interior Exterior Streams on Firefighter Safety, they did a lot of uh, data on the CFMs, the cubic feet per minute, that different nozzles move. and that's Based the, on flow, too. Flow yes, matter. Yes. Yep. And moving that nozzle. Um, and here's the deal, core. i got to say this, man. I don't want to be rude to
0: anybody that's watching. Don't be lazy, man. Like, you know, the one thing I hate is when somebody emails me to, and, and I make my phone number available to everybody. So, I'm, I mean, I'm on my own. I'm, I cause my own problems. But I hate it when somebody emails me or texts me and wants me to talk to them and they want me to do the work for them. I've been, you know, do the work for yourself. This stuff's out there, man. You know, um, you know, and you don't have to have a library. I took my mom's prayer closet um, and I turned it into a library. It's got bookshelves on both sides. You've got to get you a library of books. you got to read, man. You know, um, um, you know the, the general in his book talks about basically if you don't read a gazillion books, you're an idiot. There's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you you have to read. You have to educate yourself. Most powerful education is being self-educated. You know, don't get me wrong. All the other stuff is great. You've got to be reading. you got to be studying.
1: Love it. No, Mad Dog Mattis. Yeah, yeah. I, I forget. I'm trying to think of his quote, but yeah, I don't even try to say because I would just screw it up. No, he does. He's like, if you don't read, you're basically an idiot, and that's that's yeah. Chief's Ike's version. So absolutely, um, okay, Chief. I'm looking here. I'm trying to see if I'm missing any good questions to throw at you. You want
0: to just get the people
1: before water? You ready to hit it? Let's do it. All we, right. we don't want to be here till one o'clock. That's true. I mean, yeah, I thought compl- I got to interview uh, new hires tomorrow, so uh, pulling up. Okay. And here's the deal. Um, you know, I don't know if Scott's still on. He can post
0: the link. But back in May, I, I, um, I'm fortunate enough. I have a column every May and November. Every May and November, um, I have a column in the front half of Firehouse Magazine. Thanks to Peter Matthews. Um, you know, I, I'm very uh, blessed to be. You know, get to teach at FDI Teach, the FDIC Teach at Firehouse. And you know, Harvey Eisner um, gave me my first shot at teaching at a nationally recognized conference. You know, I don't know what it's been. 16 years ago, said whatever it was. I was. I was I think I'm young now. I was young there, and I got to teach in Baltimore. But to get the teeth right for Fireless Magazine twice a year is just a blessing. But back in May, I wrote an article, People Before Water. Please read it. I challenge you to read it. I challenge you to read my article last November of 2020, Depth on the Bench, referring to, you know, your staffing, the capabilities. You know, I, I truly, you know, a lot of you probably never heard of it, little town called Tuscaloosa down in South Alabama. <laughs> Um. um and I know a lot of you from around the country, but I got a coach called Nick Saban. Probably never heard of him, but Nick Saban coaches in that little town of Tuscaloosa. And when he goes to a ball game and are losing in halftime, the Roll Tide fans, the Alabama fans, no come fourth quarter. They're gonna probably win because their second string is good as the first string. So the other team might be beating them, but once the other opponent gets a couple of players hurt, they're bench. The depth on their bench can't keep up with the depth on the bench at Alabama. And and I say that with my son going to the University of Florida, but it's just, it's the truth. And that relates to strategy as a fire ground commander. The only difference is there is nobody to sit on a bench on a fire ground. Everybody's got to be top notch. Everybody's got to be um, good. You know, and I, and I believe in this people before water. Now, as we get into it, remember, remember, why does big cities, why does big cities, have two companies in the same firehouse, an engine and a truck. And I want everybody to think about this. In a big city, downtown, wherever it is, Chicago, Atlanta, they put an engine in a truck, engine in a truck, the 16s, the 22s, the 17s, the 33s, the 29. You know, when you say that, you're referring to it's a dual house. They're doing that, folks, because in an urban city, they know when there's a fire in a populated urban city that they got to have not just an engine with three or four people, they need an engine with three, four, or five people. A truck with three, four, or five people getting there simultaneously to do engine and truck work. So, yes, in that case, the second new engine can catch a hydrant. Probably, if they got an engine truck pulling up, they're going to have a minimum of six, if not eight, ten, or eleven, depending on if it's New York, you know, to Atlanta. You know, Atlanta might have three on the engine, three on a truck, just to use a city from the south. So, Atlanta with an engine truck is going to have at least six. New York's from probably have as many as 12. So when an engine truck gets there, they got enough to stretch a line and enough to do a simultaneous search. That's six in under six minutes, Get a line stretch, doing a search with six people. But when we get to a county fire department, a suburban fire department, a rural fire department, and I'm talking about specifically our bread and butter residential fires, we can't afford to let the second apparatus. I don't care if it's a rescue, a truck, or an engine. But if that second rig, even if it has supply hose, on, and I'm not talking about a 4,000-square-foot mansion fully involved. I'm talking about one, two, three, four rooms of fire where you have the potential for somebody to be trapped because life before property. And we can't put running out of water as a priority over a search operation. It's just BS. It's, it's unacceptable. And we got to stop doing this. Now, you got to do what your fire department tells you to do, but I truly believe that if we can get the fire departments running one apparatus out of a firehouse with four or less people, if we can get them at their bread and butter house fires to let that second rig come straight in for a booster backup, feeding the line, and getting people before water, meaning people before a hydrant, maximize one or two tanks of water, not to full extinguishment, to knock down a fire, control the fire, get a line between a what's on fire, what's not on fire. And do a simultaneous search, we're gonna make more grabs, we're gonna make more saves um you know on the fire ground. And, and the key thing is timing your tank. Here's the deal: yes, you do have to do a little research. How long, based on your tank size, can you flow water nonstop with an inch and three quarter your, your inch and three-quarter attack package? Then how long can you flow with your inch and three-quarter attack package with your first and second rib based on those tank sizes? Is that enough time if you pull up, open the we'll never shut it down based on your jurisdiction time travel distance for the third rig to get there? For me, 90% of times it's a yes. And that's with a very spread out, um, very diverse county response territory. And it works. I didn't just accidentally do it. I've been pushing it since the 90s. When I first went to a scammy, they didn't embrace it in 2000. And then I, I started calling the shots and we started doing it. I had other battalion chiefs that didn't agree with it. And then it became policy. It's an SOG. It's what we do. And yes, we've had a bunch of grabs where if the second do rig would have stopped at a hydrant, yes, those seconds would have mattered. And it's not just the time of stopping. It's the fucking hose line laying down the street that you got to navigate around. Or when you get there, that second do rig can't squeeze past, get in front of the first rig. It, It tactically changes the response movement. The mojo, the thought process, the strategic deployment when hoses coming off the back of the rig. I, I, this isn't theory for me. It goes against how I was raised. I did nine years in a fire department. So you there listening as well, he didn't know anything. he did. I did nine years in a fire department. I rode on the back of an engine where we went to a 900-square-foot shotgun house and a 2nd new rig had to stop at a hydrant that's 300 feet away. And, then, and I'm getting off the rig, and I almost got ran over multiple times. Why? Because the third new rig was coming around us. When we could have just gone straight in, now we don't have to worry about navigating and laying and rigs. It, it does come down to an apparatus position placement deployment model. Um, and, 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 and mine's not theory. It's from going to a shitload of fires and seeing what works. You ain't got to like me. You don't have to. But I don't care. It's about
1: making more successful grabs. Let's move into the video, Corda. Let's watch it. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you up and have you do a. This is I blame Todd Edwards mainly, but I'm gonna do a quick break for myself. And okay, real quick, since so you're taking a break, yes, Can I you want you to hit it? it. Go ahead. No, are,
0: you, are you you're gonna take a break and I'm gonna talk?
1: Yes, I'm leaving. Okay, I'm ahead. leaving you in charge. You I'll, video, come, I'll come back and start the video and give me two seconds, everybody. This is the intermission. And so if you need anything, we're going to be back. We're going to hit the video. We got the ladder 12 grab coming up. Chief, take it away. I'll be right back. Are you? When he gets back, he'll play the video. So this is the
0: grab into uh, January. Ladder 12 um, um, makes the grab, but not just them. Engine 16 engine sixteen got there first. And, and I want to tell a little backstory on this. It's a weekday, 10 o'clock in the morning. Pretty significant hands-on training is going on and an acquired structure uh that, that it's on the border out of the district so um engine 17 is out of at a pocket that would have been the first two rig they're out of pocket squad three's out of pocket and engine 16 relocated to engine 17's firehouse so they're sitting in the apparatus bay in the rig when it pops up on the mdt on the cat um pulse point is a big factor for us man i, I tell you pulse point has kept a lot of fires smaller because of our folks getting a jump on it, 30, 60, 90 seconds quicker. But Engine 16 arrived first, and we're going to watch the video, but Engine 16 arrives first with um, three people, driver, officer, nozzle, firefighter. Pull up, heavy fire out the A side, carport, and D delta side, 220 power feeds popping, you know, beeping. Literally, the bystanders in the neighborhood, around the street, across they thought somebody already called. Guy's driving down W Street, sees heavy smoke, curious, turns off, pulls up, sees a house on fire. He told us. He called 911, but he thought, I'm just calling. Everybody else has already called. But he called. Thank God he called because nobody else had called in a neighborhood. Middle of the day, blue sky was beautiful. He called and assumed nobody was inside based on the neighbors. No cars in a driveway. He calls 911. 16 pulls up rapidly pulls a inch and three-quarter attack line um, that the nozzle firefighter, as soon as he gets water, he's using the stream reach, waiting for him to get a pump pressure. The only problem is that they realize they're under a power feed that's about to drop, so that delays it a little bit. They kind of got to move the rig up. The second do rig coming in is ladder 12. It could have been an engine. It doesn't matter. It's got five-inch hose to lay a supply line. The only negative is it coming in second, we're not going to use the aerial, is that it only has 500 gallons instead of 750. So when they get there, we're going to have 750 plus 500. That's 1,250 gallons of water. I want to tell you something 500 water cans. Write that shit down. A 750 booster tank backed up by a 500 booster tank from a Quint, 1,250. 500 water cans. People are going around the country just jumping up and down about how awesome water cans are, right? Well, your booster tank, how many water cans does it have? So let's roll the video. Okay. Crank the volume up on it, and um, we'll we'll roll it until I get there and I get out of my car and we'll talk about it a little bit. You can pause it. Make sure I'm pulling at the right screen. Give me one second. And this video is available on countyfiretatics.com under videos, under the you pull down. And man, the website's so much better since no. Scott Swokum took over it. But you go to countyfiretatics.com. Click on videos at the top. It's better to do it on a computer instead of your phone. Click on videos and scroll. It's the last video. It'll say ladder 12 um, grabs. There it is. On the website, you'll show my radio console. Are you ready? Yep. Crank the volume up. Turn the volume so you can hear everything. Oh, it's fucking going. Yeah. Yeah, it's going.
1: All you, you, chief. One is directly south. At the intersection of Scott and Y, second hydrant north. Yes, open an eight rod. He's telling us the hydrant Scott locations. And Y. We're
0: gonna smoke to in the air. I, Street. Street. I can it right now on my one window hydrant, crack. One directly south at the intersection of Scott and it Y it for Street. A second, one hydrant north. Just let it buffer and catch up for a second. All right, so right now 16's on scene. They're just starting to stretch. Heavy fire in um the kitchen, dining room, living room, going down the hall. It's in the attic. It's penetrated in the kitchen above the tongue and groove, and it's in the attic of probably, you know, I don't know, an 80, 90-year-old wood frame house. Go ahead. You can play it again, Cordy. the missed some of pictures off, and videos. line Battalion to escambia. On scene. Assuming command. Battalion 2 on team assuming command. No cars in the driveway. Everybody thinks everybody's out. What? He's, got power to the power. Okay, that's he's just telling me he's getting away from that power feed. He they uh, pulled up the car, so they stretch the line. They're just getting it out from under that... 220. Third do engine. Third due engine. Delta. You're going to lay a supply line. Command a third do engine. You're going to lay a supply line. There it is. I'm calling. Third do for supply. And if you're taking notes right now, write that down. I'm not saying you will get a hydrant. Third due for supply. Get the first two rigs there to get at least six people on the fire ground less than six minutes to attack the fire with a simultaneous search. Third do for supply. Now, that inch and three quarter is already flowing water. They're going to hit it with a straighter solid stream. And they're going to shoot it through the windows to knock it down. And then it's not because we're doing two in, two out. We need water to create and maintain survival space. Now, we all know watching this video, we've got an occupant trapped in the back of this house. Now, we don't know where because everybody thinks it's vacant. We got to assume that it's, for me, the front of the house, the daytime space, it looks to be floor to ceiling. So I got to assume the survivable space is the probability is going to get higher and higher as I get to the rear of the structure. So I'm knock my water over. Um, so I know that we need to immediately fast attack off the booster tank, get solid water on solid fuels. Now, let's go ahead and play it. And you'll you'll hear the second new company come in. Which way?
1: On my street? Ladder 12, man, we're coming from the south.
0: Understood. This nose end, um uh, Engine 17. Well, Sandy, we got water on the fire. One inch, three quarter stretch. It's going to be a front A and B side. Two to three rooms of fire. Uh, probably about 2,000 square foot. Ladder 12, nose in. Have your driver do booster backup. Ladder 12, go to the rear for search. Ladder 12, Charlie side for the search. All right, go. pause that. They're, they're, they're now about to move in to this uh, side door here. Um, the, you know they, They've knocked down the porch. They got that. They're going to move in here. To control the fire now think if we assign our two people to follow them in how long is it going to take them to navigate the dining room kitchen maybe hoarding conditions maybe a hole in the floor since it's off grade on part of it in the front there it the times it, we got to attack the fire head on hit it in the throat punch the shit out of it and get people getting in windows back doors side doors opposite the advance of a hose line We've got to think and change a little bit how we do stuff. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I teach in a class, in a textbook, in a foundational textbook, where would we say, and, and, and I and I teach this, that's where you need chiefs that are strategically changing based on arrival sequencing. who the people are on the rigs. A lot of people would say the next rig needs to assign at least one, if not two more people to that attack line so we have a properly staffed attack line to push in through the pinch points. But I know based on going to a lot of fires in these buildings that Lieutenant Halterman and the firefighter on the nozzle are going to get that job done efficiently and effectively, and I can have Ladder 12 go through a back window or a side window to search that possible survivable space for anybody else. So we can go ahead and roll it. And I want you to watch how fast Ladder 12 is running down that Bravo side.
1: 11,
0: Engine 11, catch that hydrant. Squad 3, come straight in. Squad 3, straight in. Squad 3, straight in. Engine 11, catch a hydrant. Uh, squad 3, Now, um, I, I messed up, I and I am giving out a three, sign that's based on if everybody was at their station. Shame on me. I misread looking, you know, the, uh, who's coming. I, I knew they were at training, so I just go to enough fires with them. I'm thinking it's supposed to be 17, squad 3, ladder 12, engine 11. And so I'm, my numbers there a little bit. So when you hear that, that's the deal, and, and that's where it's critical. Whether you're a first two company officer or me as a chief, you know when somebody's coming out of sequence based on medical calls, out of service, training, and chief Brunissini, decades ago, the FDNY in the '70s made sure even with duct tape they would put the numbers on the side of the rig, the front of the rig, or back of the rig when they were on a reserve rig, because that matters. In a minute, I see a rig coming around the corner. I think it's Squad 3. Squad Three's firehouse is a mile up the road because it's a brand-new rig. I'm thinking it's Squad 3. Squad 3 and Engine 11 is only two of three rigs in the whole county they are brand-new rigs. And those are little mistakes. Didn't cost me or cost us on the fire ground here, but it could. And, you know, every fire, there's something we can learn. After this fire, I was making notes to myself of, of what I did wrong and, you know, where I'm making mistakes. Luckily, it didn't cost you know us any injuries, didn't delay water and a fire, didn't delay a search, um, but it does make the radio traffic a little bit confusing. But what's critical is, I told second new company, search, get to the rear of the building, because I know it's important. Even though we're told nobody's in there, it's the middle of the day, no big deal, we got to search occupiable space. It's got to be a part of your culture. It's got to be that your folks know that's what they're going to do Based on conditions on a. And just based on how your fart operates. So you can go ahead and play it. Down. Squad three, come on down. Squad three, ease past and get to the uh, north side of the incident.
1: Steve, you're not seeing us.
0: Oh, that's uh, engine 11 in. Engine 11, pull over to the right, just past the driveway. Pull up, and we're gonna backfill a okay. second booster take. already nosed in to um. Engine 16 there, they're gonna drop a feeder line from ladder twelve. That's where the driver, Angel Santana, he's gonna do that. That's a key factor. He's been water. Now, once he drops that tank into 16, he's not a damn um, it's in a driver's convention. His ass is gonna gear up and be another firefighter on the fire ground because the first dude driver, um, pepper, he's gonna handle that. He's gonna handle that himself. We gotta divide and conquer. Task saturated, understaffed. We gotta just we gotta we gotta be Johnny on the spot. Now, Engine 11, you're going to see them pull up. They don't catch a hydrant. Um, I I change it up a little bit because now, uh, in a minute, you're you're going to hear them on a radio. I don't know if they said it yet, but Ladder 12 is going to say, we got somebody. And I'm not going to ask them a bunch of questions. I'm not going to talk to them. You watch. I'm not even going to say a lot other than now I'm going to back up the grab. I'm going to have Engine 11 stretch a vent inner search line, a writ line, off Engine 11. Now, listen up, folks. This is unorthodox. So, I want, because we're, we're we're all in, it's worth the risk. We're we're pumping our people into a burning building with add-ons, right? This is add-ons, um, you know, I, I've had two fires on this exact street in the same block. I got one of them on video. I want engine 11 to stretch a line off of their rig because it's separate from the attack line. So it's a virgin tank, 750 gallons, it's a separate pump, and they're gonna stretch to the point of entry, VES, And I think, as Rob Fisher, I hope he's still listening, I think on a national level, from Brothers in Battle on the West Coast, CF Tactics, to the the training companies on the East Coast, we need to start in our lectures, at our conferences, maybe not always, but we need to be teaching the American firefighters to consider, when possible, an inch and three-quarter, rent line, attack line, a flow path eliminator, a flow path eliminator line to the Vent point ignition, because when they go in that window and they find somebody unconscious in a hallway, which is what they do with this fire, rolling across the ceiling. Now, if that attack line fails or has too many rooms of fire and they go one direction and the other direction, the fire's coming down a hallway, where does it want to go? Out the window that ladder 12 vented. You've created a flow path. Well, if they're dragging somebody, zero visibility through hoarding conditions, climbing over furniture. They got rescuer attachment. It's My job as a fire ground commander to not bother them and let them do what they need to do, what they want to do, what they train to do, get a line to that window, get into that room, and they're trying to get that victim up over the window, over some furniture, over some clothes, that we got that line. If you've been in my classes, I always use one that's got a straight stream off the ceiling, water mapping like a, a sprinkler head on, on steroids. Now we can hold that fire in check while we finish the rescue and we don't have to abandon the rescue. So um we need to think, I'll leave it at this just to size it up. The American Fire Service needs to consider at least telling folks when doing a VES, if you have intelligent firefighters on a fire ground, we might need a flow path eliminator line just for if, if we're going to jump off in this and get a little more aggressive. So you can go ahead and play it, Corley. Get over to the grass to the right side and rapidly back stretch a 3-inch to 16 on the officer's side. All right, all, command. We're VTS in the Delta Charlie window. Understood. There's engine ladder 11, 12. They're telling me they're VTS. And nozzleman, stretch a uh, line off of your rig. Stretch a 150, engine 11 off of your rig. You're worried about that couch on the crop boards. That's, that's Mickey Mouse stuff. You're worried about getting inside that occupiable space.
1: Three,
0: is going to be on scene. Squad three, on scene. Hey, squad, hey, squad three, just three, turn the corner and you back. You're right the rear. You're the block. Just stop right there, squad three. Stop right there. There. There comes. Come here. we got a victim. There's a trailing window. Copy got a the installing window. Patrick, go to the rear to help with the rescue. Patrick, go to the window. What rear. is it? Take that line to the rear. All right. So if you look at they entered it at basically three o'clock. They vent enter, search the window and in less than 60 seconds from entering the window at a rear of the structure, um, they've located an occupant. Now, I, I want to go over this. This is critical. When when ladder 12, when uh, Jeff Fangman entered the window, Lieutenant Mills stayed at the window as the officer, you know, managing the entry point, timing, talking on the radio you know to I me. Mean? So he calls me in less than 60 seconds from getting in the window. Fangman searches the room, dresser in the center of the room, just stop everywhere, searches the room, lights out, can't find nobody. That's when he went beyond the door, which is what we got to do. It's no different than going through the front door of a house and doing a left or right hand. You know, we gotta stop this bullshit about vent enter, isolate search. It's always been vent inner search. The the shutting the door has always been a part of any training I've ever had dating back to the mid-90s. The reality is though, more times than not, there ain't no shutting the door. The door was open, the top half of it's burned off. It's on damn hinges that don't work. It's got this one had carpet that was all rolled up. I mean, I don't know. Some of these people must just work Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Um, but the fires I go to, it ain't always hunky dory and perfect and, you know, doors swinging and locking and latching, you know, like yours might. So there ain't, there's no shutting the door. He gets out in the hallway. I mean, the fire, I mean, it was probably three, 400 degrees, two, three feet, three feet off the floor, but he's laying flat on the floor. Gets him back into the room and out the window. But key thing, when ladder 12, and this is to the Chiefs, listen, when ladder 12 called me and said, we got a victim. I didn't call him back and how big is he, where is he, what you coming out. Those guys are trained. They know what they're doing. All I'm going to do is say, copy, I got it, so he didn't waste any more time, and now I'm going to reinforce the rescue. Immediately, I see one of our guys that's acting officer. Hey, you get to the rear of the building and back them up, That because I know they're going to need it. it. This isn't, you know, it's going to it's going to be harder than training, so get more people, and then I'm going to order that engine 11 um, a line around there. So little things, because I do think that we can up our game on Veneter search um training to a level that will make it even more effective than what Brush's numbers, which is a twenty-five percent success rate on the numbers he has for VES. So you can go ahead and roll it. Rear to build car below immediately. Take it to the rear. Help, myself. Real quick, see these guys running. Like right, pause it. Don't tell me you can't run on a fire ground. Somebody's dying. And on top of that, our brothers are working their ass off trying to get a large guy. Now, most of the time, you see me at the back of my chief's buggy. I hadn't moved. I hadn't done anything. I'm trying to get my gear on. I'm the only chief there. Um, You know, here's the deal. If I can get my gear on and it does not mess up my command ability from the back of my vehicle, if another chief shows up that's in civilian clothes and there's a mayday, a collapse, or an explosion, they don't have their gear on. on. I'll pass command. Now I'm the ops chief. I'm going to be the rich chief. I'm going to be the rescue chief. And I know that if I'm geared up and that happens, I'm going to be able to reinforce and help, you know, my guys showing them that, hey, we can do this, provide a little bit of confidence, a little bit of leadership. Now, first time I showed this video, somebody said, hey, why'd you walk over and touch the hose? And I'm going to tell you why I walked over and touched the hose. Soon as I walked over and touched the hose, what's the momentum going to be of anybody that sees me touching the hose? They know that's more powerful than me yelling at them. That's like hey, you know what? The chief thinks this is important. We got to get it. It's going to up that momentum. And that's the psychological aspect of a command. Um, just like special ops. I, I said it the other night, I'm teaching at the Syracuse Heavy Rescue Conference and special ops or command of special operations is a mindset. You can have all the special ops training in the world and you can still suck at it. I've seen a lot of people got their, I don't know what you call it, special tech 4.5. And I can dangle upside down with a shoestring and I can do a, I think a ten to, to one on a piggyback upside down with a two petzl id times two. All them, you know what? I mean, I get all that stuff. They still suck. They don't know shit at two o'clock in the morning when a fucking guy's bleeding out and he's dying and grabbing your wrist and saying, "Don't let me die." You better have your ass mentally prepared. For time for compressed decision making, like Dr. Klein tells us in his book. So let's go ahead and roll it and uh, look at everybody, even the driver with his headset on, is making that line. Get it to the rear. On, to the rear. The EMS ASAP to the A side. Tell you Ms. dispatch. This outside, we you sending him in. We got a rescue, need EMS ASAP. Applyable Scambius. Go ahead, command. Go ahead and send me two more companies. Ladder 12 is located a victim to the Charlie side. We got a line in the front. We got a line in the rear. It is a little messed up. Lido that guy is running. like still That's all right. To uh, stage on uh, right here at Y and uh, I think it's Fernando. Command to Scambius. Victims out. Charlie side providing BLS care. i you be ready to stop here. Man. Yeah, not yet, Charlie. I'll, I'll tell you. Hey, Santana, feed them line right there. Feed that hose line. Give them a hose. My pause right there. What you see in the picture in the back, that's the, to the rear of the house, right above where my safety glasses. That's the firefighters. Look at the bottom of the screen. 509. 509. My video was rolling, and... The the video started rolling as I was driving to the fire. They got him out. He's in a backyard. Firefighters in full bunker gear providing compressions. Um, The fire department, structural firefighters in gear provide BLS. He's passed off to ALS care. Successful grab. Once again, though, it came down to three on the first rig, three on the second rig. That's six people in under six minutes. People before water. Um, And you can close that out, Corley. We don't need to watch any more of it. Anybody wants to watch this or share it, um, we don't share it on Facebook, but it is on a website under com. That's the last video under the videos.
1: Boom. (laughs) Thief. Lots of comments coming at you. Uh, I don't even know where to start. The, yeah no there's so much man and you're breaking down the video is just beautiful and, and it proves it all go ahead well you just
0: gotta hide i'm working tomorrow so i'm like pumping up water I, i'm not the best when i'm off about drinking water so i'm going back to work tomorrow after being at fdic so i'm making sure it's clear
1: fair no and i have to say i figured out how to fix this there we go the uh we're gonna make up the rules oh i love that did I lose your audio? No, I'm here. Okay, make it sure. I haven't heard anything in a minute. I was letting you talk. Right? No, you know, no. I, just, I just did a thousand words a second for ten minutes. At least let me have a break, Corley. Golly. I, there's a lot of pressure to perform here. No, absolutely. Um, what I was going to say, which I've completely lost my train of thought. Uh, there we go. There was a lot of talk about the hand mic. Is there a benefit to the telephone mic? Because Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and here's
0: the deal, I'll give you the answer now, But and I want to tell you, for anybody that's a chief that's, um, you know, has chiefs, I, I'm working. My goal is in the next two years to have a real-world fire ground commander class, and, and I'm positive now the title is going to be commanding from the sidelines, because what you just saw in that video is me commanding from the sidelines. I'm on the back of the chief's buggy, but I can visually smell, feel they're not just talking a radio, but I can yell at somebody. And there is a time to be able to do that, and not just use a radio based on time compressed decision making. But yes, and, and, and I made fun of about that that phone. And there's a picture that people use to do flyers, and it looks like I hadn't shaved. I actually shaved that morning. That's my buddy JJ's ten thousand dollar lens that shows uh, magnifies the fact that it was three o'clock in the afternoon. It was my five o'clock shadow. But um, the deal with the phone is that New York has those. And um, I really wanted it bad, man. I think the only reason I got it is at time, our fire chief, Pat Grace, um, you know, big mentor of mine growing up, was from New York, and he understood it. It's when it's like this in a, and somebody's mic is wet, they're, they're muffled, they're inside, there's times that I can't understand anything. But if I put that up to my head and I hold it there, it, it I mean, it's pressured against it and it's crystal clear. I've had people say that they can tell when I'm talking on it and I'm not talking on something else. Um, if I pull up an, at a large three story um, condominiums going a few years ago um, out um, on uh, the southwest side, I never left that man for the first hour. I come in. I, never, I hold I held the phone right here. And that's also my leash. I, I do consciously use that as a leash. You'll see me. I got a bunch of videos where I get it and it like pulls me back to the car to say, hey, because when I get there, I tell myself strategic. I'm, I'm sitting in the front seat. If I can see this incident through the windshield, I'm going to sit in the front seat. I got a command board above my visor command board right here. Don't do it very often, but I'm ready for one fire in a career. If that's what I got to do. Next to that would be half strategic borderline tactical, where one or more companies got on scene before me. I'm going to be at the back of the buggy. If I can see smell and hear what they're doing. And then tactical command would be full bunker gear where I'm in the front yard, because I may have to take a window, force the back door help me the door firefighter. Cause nobody else is coming. Like, you know, I'm rolling in first two, I'm rolling it right behind a three person engine coming. It's going to be a decent amount of time before anybody else gets there. That's what I'm going to do. But I got sidetracked, but yes, you can't beat that. I think that ought to be mandatory at the back of any command vehicle, even more so than the headsets, because now you can do this and you can be stationary command post, drop it, do that. And I keep a radio now. I tell you this, I think it's unacceptable for a battalion chief. Unacceptable for a battalion chief or a chief officer commanding an incident away from a vehicle, not to have a tactical radio on a sling. And if their coat's button, it hangs out, and then a second portable. If you look at the picture you use, Corley, to add, you'll see my tactical radio that um has my tactical command radio. And in my pocket up here, I've got my command radio, my Mayday radio where I can be on two different frequencies without change. Is it possible to pull that picture up, Corley? Possibly. Uh, yeah, it's the one you use to advertise the firehouse vigilance tonight. But mm-hmm. um, that's critical, too. Looking on the radio, talking, and then you're on the dispatch channel. So if shit's going bad, I can get on there and say whatever, you know, T Street command a transmit a second alarm, and I'm not tying up the tactical channel. Or, you know, if I feel like I need to have two frequencies – I have those on me. And what's happened to me a lot is a damn beeping battery that I thought was brand new or that were the radio crashes. I got that second radio in the critical times where I'm running to back to the, to the main radio.
1: Give me a second. I'm just a little slow.
0: That's all right. Um, so it just kind of answers that question. I, I think that's real important. I think a, a chief that's not at the back of a vehicle or in a vehicle needs two portable radios on them. And I really think they need a thermal imager 90 percent of the time. I think fire ground commanders in a fire service are underutilizing thermal imaging on the exterior of a building and or just to throw on a bad situation where, you know, you you, you get a confirmed entrapment. Multiple. It's only got one tick per company Hand that tick off to the senior firefighter that's going in. So now you got two firefighters on the same two two search team going left and right and
1: separate absolutely there's that picture left up there for people to see coming back coming back coming back getting back in here okay we're back um coming at you chief a couple of things one person said this podcast should be mandatory that was Gavin Reynolds 100% I agree the weekly scrap should be mandatory for everybody it is my dream desire and everything to keep bringing in the best and most passionate um fixing it uh Guys with the best message, and you can't beat. I mean, there is not a better person. Someone said, there is no better person. Jacob Johnson said, there is not a better person than Chief Ike for episode 100. Absolutely poured gasoline on the flame inside every fireman here tonight. No, and that's it, man. It makes my heart happy to know that people even think that. Because uh, 100%. There is DJ Malouf said, how do you feel about Chiefs that do not put gear on at a working fire?
0: Um, oh, I'm just checking my radar, man. It's popping lightning outside. and I'm trying to think if I left anything out on the dock. Um, um, I, you know, I, 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 don't, I, I think you should wear gear. Um, do, do you need to have gear on if you're sitting doing windshield command? And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, but if you're doing windshield command, obviously you don't need gear on. Um, you saw what I just did in the video. I got to the back of the vehicle. Even though I was going to do mostly strategic command from a tactical deployment position, I still slowly got my gear on while trying to command the incident in case something bad happens. I I think it's critical for, to wear the gear. I mean, um, it lets you know if you're getting hot, they're hot. You know Um, I think it sends a message for me. um, I don't think I'm better than any of my guys, but I think as, as a, as an experienced firefighter, as an experienced chief, I hope I, I mean, they don't have to like me. I hope I bring a sense of calmness. So if something bad happens and I'm at a fire and another chief shows up, and I have my gear on and I can throw a pack on I think that if we got to go in a building, I'm racing in the front door that that's going to make everybody else feel a little more confident in racing. Cause I'm going in and not just standing outside, you know? So, um, I'm not going to beat up the chiefs that don't, I mean, a lot of them, it's just, it's what they know, their organization, it's how they operate. There's fire departments that the fire chief don't want their, their line chiefs wearing gear, you know? Um, but I, I view myself as a firefighter first and foremost, um, I mean, shit, man, I, I, you know, a couple weeks ago, we called a good apartment fire, second floor through the roof, and I got to be the second floor interior chief, man, into last month. I mean, I, that's what I like to do. I don't mind commanding them, but I'd much rather be inside breathing air. It's free. I mean, shit. Compressed air is better than, you know, the damn air
1: outside. I like it. No, I love it. And Chief uh, Rob Fisher asked a question to you. He said, if you're concerned about hearing, shouldn't you be inside your buggy being strategic?
0: Hey, do you have a way to isolate people like that and just shut them the fuck off, just like eliminate them so they can't even be on the show? Um, it, That's a good point, but, you know, and here's the deal. That's where you're hoping that you're 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 focused on your companies that are in a serious answer in an ideal So what you're listening to is critical, you know, whether they, you know, hoping that they if they can transmit a maybe they would or the voice is in the orange button. That's sure. in the orange button. But no, no, there's there's definitely there's pros and cons to everything. If you get out of your vehicle, you may not hear it. But if you don't get out of your vehicle, you might not see it either. So don't forget, man, eyes to see, ears to hear, nose to smell, and brain to compute all three. So, you know, there's ups and downs to all of it. It just, you know, it doesn't happen. I mean, you know, I've done all. I mean, and the bigger the incident, and I can see it through the windshield, I like being in the front seat. Um, but for me, those incidents are just far and few between, based on apparatus positioning, location of the building. My, I, I just get lucky. I, I more times than not, I get there first. If not, I get there right behind the first do rig. Um, my my vehicle just happens to somehow get us there quickly.
1: Love it. Scrolling, scrolling. There is good so question. Much- that
0: is a good question, and that's you know what you can just you can go back and forth. But you know, um, I talk about Fisher Street. Uh, i'd have two firemen to be you know significantly burned if not dead from the winter of 2004 if i'd have been sitting in my buggy i got pictures of it um you know that that fire was a bad deal man um john van meter jeff Tavner, brian hicks and and steve booth you know four guys i've been going to fires with for you know you know well some of them hicks is now up in alaska but those three i've been going to fires with a man and And that fire um, goes through my head. I I think about it, you know, a bunch throughout the year. Anytime I teach, I think about it. And thank God that night I wasn't in my buggy. Thank God I was walking down the D Delta side of the house because we were tasked, saturated, staff limited, and I was doing it. So, you know, everybody's got to do what their experiences are. But, you know, here's the deal. We can't tell a chief to stay in his buggy. Next thing you know, he's going to pull up in front of a, a house that we don't know is in trap. They sit in their car for two or three minutes waiting for the first new rig. They would got their ass out of the buggy, did a 360, maybe opened the door and looked in. They'd have seen Mrs. Smith
1: unconscious. Two feet
0: in, they could have grabbed her and drug her out. She'd be alive.
1: There we go. All right, Chief, I got a picture here. You asked me to make this. So I want to share it. I want you to talk about it. If I can pull it up. There it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is good. So, listen
0: up, folks. First and foremost, um, never forget means never forget. Remember fallen brothers. Um, I I think it's the duty of all firefighters, um, you know, especially command officers, to study, you know, if not all line of duty deaths, ones that are significant to you. And and if you're taking notes, there's two types of fires, two types of fires. Ones that the hydrant will not extinguish, or hydrants. Basically, you just control until you consume the fuel packages. And there's another fire that 90 plus percent of the time per NIFRS can be extinguished with the onboard water supply booster tank in an inch three quarter. That's from the National Fire Incident Reporting System. And that's what we're looking at. Two fires, two fires from the same exact month. The one on the right, everybody knows about the one on the right. And you're looking at the screen. Worcester cold storage warehouse, December 3rd, 1999 on the left is what I respectfully, respectfully talk about a lot when I'm teaching is the forgotten fire. Kia cook, Iowa had the opportunity to sit on the front row more than once. Listen to the fire chief, phenomenal leader. Um, God bless him. Um, you know, wrote an article taught at, at the conference multiple times and, the one on the left happened in December 1999, too. Um, you know, not purposely by anybody, by no means, nobody at fault. But Worcester was six people. The one, you know, six story coal storage warehouse, six people paid the ultimate sacrifice, challenged everybody to read 3000 degrees. Um, it should be mandatory reading. The one on the left is Kia Cook, where three firefighters died in the same month. But it's a duplex, two-story duplex, small. It's the one we're talking about, people before water. Six people in under six minutes, staff aligned to get water on a fire, simultaneous search, understand your your horizontal openings, whether it be an entry point through a door, a window that failed, or in this case she opened the window, climbed up on the front porch roof. Um, I challenge you to watch the 12-minute video by NIST that does the fully goes through the growth of the fire on the kitchen stove. Um, can you pop up that picture of the one on the left Corley? That's got like firefighters in flash over, um, in a matter of about 90 seconds. It's got the four screen Spartanburg. I sent you,
1: uh, try. Let me see if I saved it in the right no big spot. deal.
0: But, but on these, both these fires are significant. You should study both of them. Um,
1: I don't think I did. Don't think I got it. No saved problem.
0: Okay. No problem. Um, but, but but looking at this, so, you know, we're talking about the one on the right. You know, you're going to need every hydrant you can get. You're going to maximize zero out hydrants, tanker operations. You know, you know we're not going to get into it tonight, but you need to understand the Iowa flow formula, the National Fire Academy flow formula. Um, you know, link times width divided by three, and, and all that kind of stuff is critical. But when we're talking about that one on the left, that's the one where it's worth the risk. Keokuk, Iowa, where, you know, we got kids trapped. And we've got to to study history and strategically deploy and maximize our responding units and how we have them arrive and how we tactically deploy them for them and us. And, 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 and I hope, you know, we're probably, you know, winding down here. It's 10, 17, 11, 17 Eastern. And as we wind down, I want people to think about this. My top question tonight is the hydrant for them or us, you know, because, I just, I can't find a residential line of duty death. I can't find a residential line of duty death, um, you know, like the Cook, where catching a hydrant is going to make the difference between a firefighter living or dying. Um, what I do know is if we can get at least six people on the fire ground in less than six minutes, and, and, and you still can in eight minutes and nine minutes, All you know, you got to look at the graphs, but I just like the term six and under six, Um We're going to make a difference, man. We really are. And and don't take me out of context. You know what? If I'm rolling down the street and I'm going to XYZ Street, it's got a 4,000-square-foot house, and i got multiple callers, and they say the exposures are lighting off, and the whole attic's consumed, and, uh, you know, everybody's out. Hell, I might have the first engine to lay in. i probably have the first engine to lay out. be honest when you, reverse out. Pump the hydrant. Matt, you want water supply? Maximize the hydrant. I think a Ford lay sucks. I think LDH 5-inch on a forward lay is about one of the most absurd water supply options that we brainwash the American Fire Service that that takes it as the go-to operation, man. Um, And we can't get into that tonight, but the reality is, you know, 90-plus percent of the residential fires we go to can be extinguished with onboard water supply backed up with a hydrant for overhaul volume is what it's all about.
1: Dude, this might, this might go down on the record as the, the scrap where I've said the least, and it might be the best scrap ever. There might be a correlation there I need to tap into. Uh, 100%. I've got people saying, wind down. I'm still driving home. Keep going. Gavin Reynolds said, don't stop. Someone said, get that man a Red Bull. Don't let him wind down. So there you go. Um, I do have the pictures of Maurice... Taking a blow and the and the pictures of the outside, the inside. That's up to you. This is yeah, You put them up there. Okay, I mean, um, I'm asking.
0: CF- yeah, that's fine. The CFT logo for anybody that doesn't know that's watched, never been to a conference. Um, you know, I'm never going to stop telling the story. Um, so, the uh, CFT logo on the front is 201. That was Maurice's badge number. Paid the ultimate sacrifice on November 25th, 2000, in a 1200 square foot wood frame house on a poured slab my training number was 186 my badge number was 186 he was 201 means he got hired 15 firefighters behind me that means i was 15 firefighters senior to him um you know i I have you know i was a lieutenant at the time um for anybody that that, you know hasn't heard me i've told the story a hundred times you know i got him relocated uh you know through chief baker i requested him get moved from engine four to the back of engine five ten months before he died of that fire. So um, I, I relocated to the engine company that drove him to his last fire. Um, and I embrace the guilt more than I ever have. I have a slide of his picture where I say embrace the guilt. And, you know, for the last 21 years coming this November, I, I'm, I'm passionate about teaching other people. And so when I ask you, is the hydrant for them or us? I think about Maurice. Maurice, you didn't put a picture up in a house, Corley. The The fire he died in was a tank fire. Maurice would be here. That's it, man. That's after the fires extinguished. Couple rooms of fire. Couple rooms of fire. The deal is he didn't die because of water supply. He died because I didn't take the time to ship before. I mean, he was he drove me on the rescue literally he, you know, he he died on November 25th, you know, in the middle of the night, the night before about 24 hours before he was my driver on a rescue. And I should have been talking about, you know, don't be scared to put water on smoke. If you're on the nozzle and you're, I mean, 30 minutes, if I just spent 30 minutes of what I teach on the road now to him sitting in a firehouse drinking coffee, he'd be here today. So, um, and that's just the front and the side of the house. I mean, look at Oscar Armstrong, uh, Steven Solomon, the Berkeley way, most line of duty deaths and residential structures, they were tank fires. And even after when the fire's out, it looks like a fire you go to couple rooms of fire to extinguish. The building's not burned down. The building could be repaired. A lot of times they bulldoze it based on the fact that a firefighter was killed in it. But those are things that, you know, the, those are the hard discussions, the hard talks. Um, You know, when I'm, when I'm doing a class, I say, you know what, man, don't waste 10 months. I wasted 10 months that I could have, spend a lot more time with him. that's going in the front, that's the conditions um, in the front door, see the couch on the left. And these are my pictures, man. I, I took these pictures the night of the fire. Um, and just, you know, that there's, you know, the, the, the crap, but that's pretty common. You know, we go to a lot of fires like that, that we're just crap everywhere. You know, it's, you just, um, you learn to how to climb over it and walk over it and learn to, to, to put water on smoke water, you know, You know, on black fire, if you will, water mapping and understanding um, coordinated ventilation. Uh, You know, I want to say it for the 50th time. Water creates and maintains survivable space. Um, That's the room. It's hard to see. But that's the hose line. Um, I can't point to it on my thing, but bottom right, there's a chair. That's it. Thank you, Corley. That's the hose line right there. He drug it into that room and um, he, he got off the nozzle. That's a bed. If you look, it's hard up against the wall. It's a bed frame. Top center is like a little silver lamp with a 110, a little bit of uh, light bulb sticking in it. Just, you know, and our guys still go to a lot of these kind of fires. He left the nozzle, no integrated pass device, no portable radio. He left the room, crawled across the room into the other room, and was found in the, the room of fire. There it is, the picture. So his line, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Cordy. That's the primary attack line. Not a very big house. Um, another line went in and, um, to, to the room, but. You know, when they got there, it really wasn't a lot of fire. Um, Contributing factors was, you know, me not talking at the coffee table to them the 10 months before this. um, The American Fire Service embracing positive pressure attack, a lack of understanding, coordinated fire attack, ventilation and water application. And just, you know, standard eyes tactics that around the country. But, you know, I I hope 21 years later, there's a lot of people out there were making a difference engine company operations is sexy water on the fire is sexy and i think we can eliminate death on the nozzle in relation to flashovers we can just get more people to flow water you can dry shit out but you can't unburn it
1: love it love it man and you have to flow water to need water that's the one i haven't heard tonight so i wanted to throw it out there
0: oh yeah 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 that's about one of my favorites that's one
1: it's of my favorites
0: you guys that's what time in the tank's all about I mean, guys are worried about catching a hydrant and the damn brig on scene ain't even flowing water yet. I mean, you hadn't even started to stopwatch. I mean, it's like saying, hey, go get gas in your car and it's sitting on full. I mean, at least wait till the thing gets to three-quarters of a tank. People don't drive around all day stopping at every gas
1: station. Nope, I love it. Now, Chief, we're at two, two hours and 21 minutes. It's officially the longest scrap ever on record. Um, oh, shit. Well, no. we're not trying to set any records or anything. Well, you've already done it, so we've already yeah, now it's just how far you want to push it. My question is I always like to ask people if there are book or books that they think firefighters should read, and i i love I love picking your brain on book or books. So I'll give you a chance to to throw a couple out there or whatever you want to throw out there. Um well, I mean, you know, obviously you should get the book,
0: Tom Brennan's book on random thoughts. Um, you know, that's I, I've been reading that since he started writing, whatever in the late eighties. And then saved every copy from um, early 1992 for almost, you know, 20 years. Um, but, you know, man, I, I think really a book that I, I think I told you this last time I was on a scrap. One of my favorite books is Chief Clark's book, man. William Clark's book, the blue book, the blue one. Cheap on Amazon. It's great. Um, you know, if you're just going to buy one book of Cheap Dunn, because he has a lot of them, just one, his strategy book. Uh, so one he did, I don't know, probably five to ten years ago. It's black with orange lettering at the top. That's probably his, you know, most powerful uh, book for you know to read on strategy and tactics, uh, if you will. Obviously, John Norman's Fire Officer Handbook is is the the baseline for firefighters, officers, and um you know chiefs. Firestream Management Handbook for engine gurus. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough I got a hard copy twenty some years ago. Wow. Uh, is a big deal. Um, and I'm doing educational books. Obviously, 2,000 Alarms, my wife got it for me as a gift. Um, they're very expensive, like 500 bucks on eBay. Ooh. Report from Engine Company, um, 82. All of those are, you know, good good books, if you will. Um, everybody should, should subscribe to uh, WNYF. Uh, Jim McCormick's FDTN should be a mandatory monthly um, magazine. Am I keeping you up, Trev? Um, yeah, FDTN monthly subscription no articles no nothing vetted articles um by jim which is you know real critical you know there's a lot those are tax strategy and tactics books i huh? you know step up and lead by bizguso Viz- uh just that's just an easy easy uh read the um you know the new book out by uh, scott thompson the functional fire company yes. you know you're talking about books odp in january it is you know we've had some some phenomenal ODPs, man there's not never been a bad one they're always awesome they're different every time this coming year we got chief mcgrell one day all day with his high-rise book nice. we got um scott thompson and one day all day with his functional fire company and his new programs we got terpac with his uh, that's a great book size up yes. fire ground size up chief terpac just one of them polished professional uh speakers one of our cft team members teaches us a lot and then let's Guso step up your teamwork and step up and lead. And then I'm just going to pick up the trash and do a fifth day and do some some random time delay tactics. Um, you know, urban to suburban, rural to Boom. you know, urban <laughs> fire tactics. So we're going to have you know five speakers, five days. You know, it's legit though, man. You, no you doubt. Can't get, you can't get your certificate unless you're there at five o'clock on Friday. We hand it to you. There's no email. and There's no printed copy. It's stamped, signed. Um, you know, passed out on Friday, you have to be in class eight to five Monday through Friday. We prefer a class a on Monday, if not a suit Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we want you at least a minimum button up shirt because it's cold out. So you're not going to be hot and and it's a legit program, man. It it really is. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's legit stuff though. We, we cover some cool stuff in a class. We do give you a two hour lunch break. You know, we give a two hour lunch break so you can, can go eat. 45 minutes go take an hour and out. wake up knock out a bang or a cup of coffee or cuban coffee and come back to finish out the afternoon so it's manageable doable we get great feedback on it anybody that's watching tonight if you register though remember fhv 99 will get you 99 off we got 99 hotel rooms for that and um we still have a few spots for that coming up this january
1: and you just named off five top shelf instructors who are going to speak day after day after day at ODP. And that's amazing, man. Every one of them top shelf. So So those are a lot of books and I could name other ones, but you know, I, I always tell people
0: outside the fire service, and I told you this last time, the best leadership book that's not a fire service book is John Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Understanding the law of the lit. Um, you know, and in my organization, I understand the law of the lit. Sometimes you just become polarized And organizationally, you're maxed out based on how long you've been there. That's why the military moves their commanders around. Um, You know, and in in a fire service, though, you just can't leave. You got to get your pension, you know. Um, You know, there's a point where there's a saturation rate. And so I do the best I can to command my folks, give them a little nugget here or there. But the law of live is just reality. You know, once you acknowledge
1: it, you just you embrace it and make the most of it. Love it. All right, Chief. I have to do five questions, even though you've done the five questions. But I've never done a scrap without doing it. And even though we're running long, I'm going to hit you with the five questions. for. So uh, the answers are completely your opinion. The points are arbitrary and assigned by me. So, Chief, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters? Yes. All right, number one. What is the number one issue facing the modern American fire service? Regurgitating old tactics for tomorrow's fires. That's clear, cut, and dried. I won't even even poke the bear. So, okay. Number two, what is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Getting the civilian fire fatality rate in this country below
0: 2,000 by using um, factual confirmed rescues and
1: grabs through firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Love it. Below 2,000. Best rank or position to have in the fire service? Being in the fire department, firefighter. I mean, the reality is
0: that's what we probably should get back to. You know, I love the question, but I don't think there's a best rank. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a best, you know, position, you know, for me, I got promoted as a young age. I mean, I've been a chief more than half, you know, my career, even counting my time as a junior firefighter. So, um, I mean, I got to embrace my position. I mean, it, you know, I love being a fire ground commander after, you know, over 17 years of 100% that's my primary duty. I'm still learning how to be a better fire ground commander. I'm learning how to maximize the tactical ability of my people through my strategic thinking, um, evaluating history, like the Waco incident and the report that, that I think it was president Reagan made him write on it, studying coaches like Dabo Sweeney and, you know, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban and how they strategically get ready for the last two minutes of a football game and how I can apply that, like my article says, depth on the bench. So, you know, I know it's a long answer, but you know, I gotta embrace it, I like it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's taken me a long time to not want to be on the nozzle or a halligan tool. Um, I could have stayed a firefighter my whole career and be fine. I mean, I wasn't looking to be a chief, it just it happened.
1: I love it. And and <laughs> there's a reason they call you America's chief. Uh, number four. Best advice you have ever received? Um,
0: well, you know, I, you know, my dad gave me a lot of advice, but I would see the, say the best advice I've been given by multiple people without giving credit to all those people would be just slow your roll. Slow your roll, you know, which is basically what I'm working on now. Emotional intelligence has taken a long, long time for me to embrace it. I, I'm really, truly just embracing it this year. I've no. really never embraced it in the past. I've blown it off, i pushed it off, and um, now it is a true, true quest of mine to slow my roll, um, be patient, and try to help others get where they want to be and what they want to do in a fire service, and pump up some of the younger folks that even I've been
1: guilty of suppressing, knocking down, and you know, throw gas on their fire. Love it. Final question, Chief. Question number five: You got heavy fire. You got searchable space. Would you rather be on the nozzle or would you rather be first in on VES?
0: If i can give you Howard's thing. Do both. Take that fucking hose line and run <laughs> the, the um, and, I, and I agree. I, I teach that. I believe. it. You know, I would say the hose line. I wouldn't have a problem if you had if you had three people trapped and you had some good firefighters that could do truck work. Um, you know, I'd be on the nozzle just because that. I mean, I'm just you know, I'm a geek for. You know, water. I've always been since I was a little bitty kid. I, I love being on a one inch booster line off old Little John or six by six military brush truck. So, um, you can't beat being on a nozzle, especially if it's a smoothbore killing fireman. There's just nothing cooler than killing fire with a smoothbore.
1: Love it. And I don't think there's, yeah, Todd Edwards said max points, and I don't think anybody has, uh, I don't think there could be better answer for episode 100 of the five questions for firefighters, the weekly scrap. And uh, I'm not going to lie. it It's kind of like really a catharsis. a I don't even know how to say it, but that's officially 100 scraps in the books. And I can't say. Congratulations.
0: Awesome job, brother. You're spreading good stuff. You're getting great people, man. There's, you know, more great people that you're going to have on here. Um, and I'll say it. Um, I, you know, um, there's a few people that, that I really wanted to see 100, but the the schedule didn't line up, um, you know, for it. And, and I think in the future, you know, talking with Cordy, those guys will be on here. Some of my mentors. So, um, you know, there's still more great people. You're not going to run out of people. There's every day this fire service is producing phenomenal leaders to, to
1: lead us into the future. Absolutely. There they are. Home runs by all night by chief Ike. That was amazing. Todd Edwards said, thanks brother. Congratulations. I give it a 10. Please poke the bear. Yes. Everything guys, Uh hundred percent chief. No, you, you worked very hard. You, we, I talked to you and you've been a nothing but a fantastic supporter of the scrap and firehouse vigilance. I couldn't ask for more. And we tried to get different people. We talked about it. He said, Hey, I'll do it. And I'm like, are you serious? And you're like, yes. And so I can't say thank you enough. Um, guys, uh the scrap would be nothing without all of you tuning in asking these questions making it so great uh supporting it and spreading the word so thank you so much thank you to chief ike for uh making it special um i don't know what else to say uh coming just up say that, make sure ahead. that um, make sure you look under the thing scott
0: slocum is working on something on there and um sometime tomorrow if not tomorrow in the next day or two, I'm leaving it up to Scott Slocum to, to figure out how he's going to pick the one pass for H-Rock, the one for ODP, and the one for CFT Fire School um, for whoever was watching. However Scott does it, that's going to be up to him. I'll get the names from Scott and give them to Jessica, and we'll get you complimentary passes um, to those conferences and then the FHV-99.
1: FHV 99, $99 off, and then the giveaways. Make sure you click on the links that Scott Slocum has been posting and get in there on it, man, because you're not going to get a better deal. I'm going to be out there in, like, what is it, three weeks or so? No. Well, you're probably flying in a week from next Monday. Shoot, it's getting here. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks from we're, yesterday. We're already
0: here. We're, we're nearly 600 coming to Water and Fire. UL is going to be there to build it. I mean, we have the largest number of instructors and speakers we've ever had. Um, you know, I'm big about using the same guys, but we took the feedback. A lot of our students have asked us for different instructors. So we brought in some phenomenal speakers. Um, pretty much all the topics are, are, are brand new topics, brand new keynotes. The only one that seems a little similar is Brush's Exponential, but it's different and changed. Last year, two years ago, he didn't teach last year. He's only taught one other time. He taught the one – on fire attack with the, the 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 water so this is truly a different program so i don't think i don't think one of our lectures is this has ever been taught at water on the fire so that's Woo. cool for anybody that comes to all of them it's all new lectures so we're excited real excited about water on
1: the fire nearly 600 attendees on pensacola beach i'm excited about water on the fire i'm excited about pensacola i'm excited about seeing you chief ike i'm excited about going to patties everything the redfish bluefish you name it it's uh it's just a magical time the uh, guest coming up box next alarm. week, Anthony Rowett, is next week followed after Water on the Fire by Rob Backer and the Art of Reading Smoke. Uh, good stuff. If you are going to be at Water on the Fire, uh, see me there. I want to hoist a beer with you. I want to get pictures with you because mutts don't scrap. And Chief Ike, I cannot say thank you enough for being the guest number 100.
0: Thank you very much. And go to com and sign up for the box alarm. Eventually... You're going to have to subscribe to that. It's free right now. If you, if you, if you sign up, it's free forever. So go to countyfiretattics.com on a top and clean up so you get the emails
1: that, that, that of all the information sent straight to your inbox. There's the and link. Box alarm right there. There's the link. So click it. Scott Slocum is sending the links. Get all in it is is
0: you give your email address, and then Scott's got it in the system whenever we want to send out discount codes, new articles, new stuff that's going on. Come straight to your inbox. Uh, make sure that your email accepts it. And it's free, man. We're we're you know working hard to 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 get more information, more articles. Um, there's only so much time in a day, man. But I'm I'm happy and excited
1: to see what Scott does over the next year with that website. I love it, Andrew. I really do. We'll see what happens. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody that tuned in live. Unbelievable scrap. You uh, made me so happy, Chief. Thanks again for being a guest. I hope the tone stays silent unless it's burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.